Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone, and happy hump day from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, and the Super Bowl champion, Kerry Davis, is already fired up. Brandy, three in a row? It's called a winning winning streak. And, and, And look at this, Randy. Eight games back. Who would have punked it? We are two weeks away from being right into this thing, right? right? Into it. Yeah, Brooke Grimsley <laughs> yes. here. She's fired up, smiling, happy. Yes, I'm very excited. She has this a cowboy is... hat on, and, yes. but it's not actually a cowboy hat. It yeah. just says cowboy, cowboy hat. hat. I like this. I, I, really, I disappointed somebody one day because I ran into him. They were like, oh, wait, you're not wearing a hat. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should be wearing hats at all time. I'm like a cartoon character. But you have to wear a hat to celebrate today. Yes. You know, uh, there's a show down the hall that uh, asks basically for free hats, and they allow people to advertise. Really? Like, we have stars of their show say, hey, you know what? We'll wear your particular cap. Brooke is a cap girl all the way. <laughs> I'll just turn I, into, a... like, a NASCAR driver exactly. over here and just have, like, all the... Be like, wow, Brooke has a lot of sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> so Action Jackson just walked by the studio. These people in this room think I don't... I love Action Jackson. These people, because I joked yesterday, <laughs> think that I don't like Action Jackson, but I really do. I, who asked who doesn't like Action Jackson? I don't remember. But then I raised my hand, yeah. just in a joking just manner. Just in a joking way. I, yeah. I, yeah, we were talking about... Some, Brooke was pointing out that a texter didn't like her That's and Action right, yeah. Jackson. I was like, who doesn't like Brooke and... Who doesn't like those two people, the nicest people in the world. And Randy just slowly. <laughs> yes, Randy. Randy. Like, Randy. Yes, Randy. Randy. He's an NBA fan. We forgive him, though, for that. <laughs> I love him for I'm, that. I'm an NBA fan when it's not fixed in favor of the richest guy. Oh. <laughs> wow. Terrible. But you know what? We're going to talk some baseball because the Cardinals are hot, hot, hot. And uh, they won last night 6-4 in Chicago over the Cubs. Yes, they were playing the Cubs. That's a distinct advantage when you're trying to win a Major League Baseball game. But... It did happen. And the the Cardinals actually got things going early on again. And, guys, that was a problem early in the season was allowing those early runs. First inning, Nolan Gorman gives Jack Flaherty a little bit of a cushion to start with. In the air left center. Hap is over. He looks up. That ball is gone. Nolan Gorman with an opposite field homer. Brady does it again with two outs. So Nolan Gorman gives Flaherty a one nothing lead, and then Flaherty coughs it up by allowing an RBI double to Dansby Swanson in the bottom of the first. But the Cardinals come back in the third inning because of our guy. As this ball launched high in the air, deep right. That one's not coming back. Newt Barr halfway up the bleachers. And listen to the Cardinal fans. 
Yes. I, look, if you guys follow me on Twitter, every single time that Lars Newt Bar does something, of course, as the president CEO, everything of the Lars Newt Bar fan club, we have to assemble. So I said, Nutty Neuters of Newt Nation, <laughs> assemble. I'm not done with the Nutty Neuters thing. Shouldn't okay. be. No. And so it's the Nutty Neuters who come out of Newt Nation. The Nutty Neuters of Newt Nation. Exactly. It just rolls off its tongue so easily. Does. <laughs> yeah. It's intriguing. Yeah, but it hits the ears oddly. <laughs> it felt like that was a big moment for him, that he, he really needed that. It was huge. And then the Cardinals got a couple of bases loaded walks. Also in the third inning, they led by a score of 4-1. to one. Back comes Chicago. Dansby Swanson with a homer off of Jack Flaherty to make it a 4-3 to three game. And then Christopher Morell hit a home run in the sixth, so we're tied 4-4. We get to the ninth inning. And a guy who's going to have his number 11 retired by the Cardinals eventually. You might not like him now. Oh, my God. You might not like him now, but you should because he gave you a W. Swing, fly ball, belted left center. There's number 14 for the lead. That's Paul DeYoung with a home run, kids. Paul Paul DeYoung with a home run. Paul D. OPS Uh, over 1,000 now. Can we talk about that? I mean, his numbers are great. Uh, Brooke, his batting average is 350. 350. That would be second in the league. To and how Luis many Rose. games? Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't oh, matter. oh, okay. okay. S- We're not going to worry about that? No. 409 on base. 409. And a 650 slug. So you're telling me we're going to be able to trade him for a number two starter at the deadline? You don't trade the MVP of the league. Oh, <laughs> come on. Randy character. That's my fault. I, t- I teed him, him up for that one. That's my fault. That's my fault. This is a, that is intriguing, though. I mean, if he's performing that mm-hmm. well and, you know, I thought is that Mason Wynn will eventually be the shortstop at in in St. Louis. He will. At, well, what is going to happen with with Paul DeYoung? He'll either get traded or be a free agent. He's a free agent after okay. this year. So, so. But you don't think he'll be traded this season? Ah, you well, think it's a possibility it's with not how, happening how for, well he's playing? Yeah, it's not happening for Wynn. It depends on if the Cardinals are in the hunt, I guess. And it's happening with this particular group of players. Yeah. Well, it, and you'll be really sad about that, right? Oh, yeah. You know, you could always, if you trade him, you could always move Wilson Contreras to short. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> no, that's enough. Enough yeah, they're, they're, looking, they're looking for a spot for him. Uh, or Arenado comes back, move Gorman to short. So instead of uh, letting him be behind the plate, which they hired him to do, they're going to well, put him at shortstop? It's not happening right now. <laughs> hey, look, they're winning games uh, They are right winning games, yep. which is, um, is, is the best part of this. I mean, it... You know, when we had that whole ordeal over the weekend about him no longer being catcher for a while for the, the foreseeable future. The Contreras kerfuffle. Yeah, we yes. were we were all shocked, yeah. but they have been winning. So yeah. maybe they obviously knew something that we didn't yeah, know. They know. There they you know. know. Uh, Jack Flaherty knows a lot. He went five innings. He allowed seven hits, three runs. He walked five and uh, struck out three. How did Jack feel about the Cardinal win? We won. Won the game. So... Uh, guys came out, played well. Probably with a big homer there. Guys swung the bat. Lars, you know, he, or Gorman got us going early with the with the homer, and then uh, just from there, guys kept kept scoring. Now, one thing about Jack Flaherty that has become to me abundantly clear uh, since he returned from the shoulder injury, and he does lead the league in starts this year. Give him credit for that. He's he's taking the ball every time. But Derek Gould of stltoday.com and Jim Hayes of Bally Sports asked about his Flaherty's reduced fastball velocity. The next time somebody wants to mention the velocity of my fastball, just I'm not going to answer another question about like I'm going to play with the velocity of my fastball based on what the game calls for. So 
I, I can get outs at 90, I can get outs at 95. Like, it's like, I'm going to play with it. I've always played with it. I've, I've thrown freaking fastballs at 87 before in games when I've been at my best. Like, I'm not answering questions on, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm just I'm just saying because y'all want to make a big deal out of it and I'm tired of it. Like, I'm not, it's so ridiculous. Like, I'm, I've thrown, I've, I'm gonna go for what the game calls for, and that's that's part of pitching. So if you want to ask about it, you don't understand the art of pitching. Like, I'm gonna go with what it, the situation calls for, what the game calls for. But you have to manage pitch counts. You have to manage the way that the game goes. Like, there's certain times where you up it, and you're gonna now you're gonna start seeing four, five, six, and there's certain times you might be able to be like, okay, here, you know, okay, we, you know, situation calls for you, bump it back up. It just that's the way the game goes. So you, so you, that's that's the way that you go about the game. We don't know. Well, then you don't understand pitching, and that's okay. Say that again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said I don't understand pitching. That's that. That's the way that. We just don't feel like we should guess. We want your answer so we can quote you and give it to the fans. Okay, Derek. You see, this is what I love, though, honestly, and the reporters will say this as well. Randy, it's it's never fun to have like a little bit of a spat with mm-hmm. a player, but that's the best part of talking to a player right after a game because you are getting those raw emotions. And so do you like to see him getting on a little back and forth with Jim Hayes and Derek Gould? No, he's voicing his frustrations. But my one question is, did the game actually call for him to allow 12 base runners, five walks in five innings and i don't understand the art of pitching clearly because he's a major league pitcher and think, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's a major league pitcher and he thinks he's doing fine he's got a 6.18 ERA. <laughs> I, I can tell you this i have not seen good pitchers that average a walk per inning mm. i have not seen that yet so i i might not understand the art but i understand the concept and Brooke, you said 12 base runners in five innings? Mm-hmm. That is not a way that winning pitchers win. Five walks, you give up seven hits. It's it's honestly, it really is amazing that he only, you know, what was it, three earned runs? Like that he was able to walk away with such little damage. You do have to give him credit for inducing the double plays. I yeah, mean, yeah. those were very, very timely. Um, I, I think he might even be pretty high up in the league he's when leading, it comes to... He's leading yeah. the league in oh, okay. ground, uh, double plays. And inducing way, double yeah. plays. And so you have to give him credit for that. But that's what what happens when you allow a lot of you know guys on base yeah you got to get out of those situations yeah. it's funny because when we heard the term art of pitching yeah first name that came into your mind Carrie Greg Maddox <laughs> Greg Maddox yeah, yeah. Uh, age 28 season Jack Flaherty in 31 innings has 27 walks age 28 season in 202 innings Greg Maddox had 31 walks He's so pretty good 27 walks in 31 innings for Flaherty 31 walks in 202 innings for Greg Maddox, who did understand and does understand (laughs) the art of pitching. So I I think I understand what he's saying in terms of you all are focusing so much on the velocity. Mm -hmm. You know, Greg Maddox, who we talked about, he he one thing I learned about him was he could throw a fastball at 88. He could throw it at 93 and it has the same spin. But the fact that the miles per hour is so different it can throw hitters off. So I understand the the levels of wanting to vary the, varying the speed of your pitches. I didn't like the fact that he said you don't understand pitching because we all have eyes and are watching the games, and we're seeing, as you said, Brooke, a lot of runners get on, a lot of runners being walked, a lot of batters being walked, a lot of runners being on, and you're having to get those ground, ground balls induced into double plays. 
that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing stellar pitching from you. You have a high ERA. And so that's where the pushback comes because he knows he's not performing mm-hmm. well, but he yeah. doesn't want anyone else. He wants to, I guess he wants us to close our eyes to the fact that we're watching not great baseball from him. We know he can be better, and he knows he can be better. He can be better, and which is why he's frustrated. The thing is, Kerry, you don't come back from shoulder injuries. Pitchers just don't come back from shoulder injuries, and that's what he doesn't want everybody else in baseball to be thinking about is that he admitted that he has the shoulder injury, which he does. He has a labrum mm-hmm. tear that he's pitched with for a long time. Yes. And let me get to uh, the stat cast numbers for Jack Flaherty. 2019. His average velocity, fastball velocity, was 93.8. That was in his awesome second half year. Mm -hmm. 93.8 in 2019. 93.6 in 2020, down two-tenths of a mile an hour. 93.6 to 93.3 in 2021. 2021's 93.3 goes down to uh, 92.8 in 2022, down to 91.6. So maybe he's just playing. Maybe he's learning a lot. But the fact of the matter is, Jack Flaherty's uh, fastball velocity has dipped in 20, 21, 22, and now 23. And I think that's why he gets so upset with that question, because in his mind, he knows what the reporters are kind of getting with that. Is like, is there something going on? Because here's the thing. It wasn't a great outing that he had. He hasn't been that effective this season. And so then people are going to start hyper-analyzing your velocity because they're like, okay, maybe there's an injury going on. So he he knows in his mind that that's what they're possibly trying to get at with that question. And here's the thing, though, is, you know, people are not going to cut you that much slack and they're not going to be that happy with your postgame comments when you've been struggling in recent years. And your ERA is 6.18. And you've made the point when Greg Maddox was, you, you talked about the walk numbers. If you're sacrificing velocity for command, you shouldn't be walking as many batters. Yeah, so that's the point. that's the point that is important here. If you are telling us, yeah, I can play with my pitches. I can play with the velocity of my fastball. I don't have to throw it 95 every single time. He said at one point, he said, I can throw it 87 if I want to. Well, if you're, if you're going to do that, you should be better command and have better better command and be able to put it where it needs to be put. NHL playoffs last night. Hurricanes moved to the edge of the Eastern Conference Finals with a 6-1 win over the Devils. Carolina up in that series three games to one. Stars and Kraken now tied it to a piece after Dallas won over Seattle last night 6-3. NBA playoffs. Uh, Jason Tatum had a big night, but not big enough. Sixers over the Celts 115-103. Philadelphia on the brink of going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Nuggets just trampled the Suns 118-102 and the Nuggets lead that series three games to two. Look and at Rock smiling. He is beaming. He is, beaming he, is, he, is, he is just ear to ear. Yeah. With this grin. So. <laughs> my my son's fan roommate turned the game off in the third, and I was laughing the entire time. That is so funny. You are. You are. You are just over there having a wonderful time, huh? Mm-hmm. Rooting, I'm, I'm for that, I'm, rooting for that I'm, monster's I'm, team. I'm Sambor shuffling You're over here, baby. Monster. I'm like Nikola Jokic. I'm Sambor <laughs> shuffling, baby. <laughs> Let's just hope that he doesn't own your residence. <laughs> I mean, I live, in, I live in Missouri. There's like a 35% chance. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe you love that guy. It's terrible. <laughs> and the NFL schedule releases tomorrow. It's unbelievable that the NFL schedule release is televised, but it is. So uh, give him credit. Hey, we've got Ask Uncle Randy coming your way because it is hump day here on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! 
And that means that if you have a question, here we are, warm weather, springtime. This is fun. If you have a, a question to ask of Uncle Randy, all you need to do is send in a text to our Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-Yo-Ho. Ask Uncle Randy coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. If you have a question of Uncle Randy, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you through these uh, spring months. It's a, it's a time of love. Here we are in mid-May, and people's love just continues to grow. Maybe it started in January or something like that, and just continues to grow every day, and you just want to know how to handle it. Well, that's what Randy is here for. That's what, why Ask Uncle Randy is on the air every Monday morning or every Wednesday morning hump days here on the opening drive. So uh, we, we welcome your texts, and uh, Brooke and Carrie are more than happy to weigh in. Carrie with uh, Voice of Reason, mm. uh, and Brooke obviously with the female point of view, and obviously another Voice of Reason, uh, and Matthew asking your questions. Matthew, what do you got for us? <laughs> not a Voice of Reason. She just she just said, meh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, not. maybe not as reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes you need a little irrational. All right, what do we got? Uh, dear Uncle Randy, I'm taking my crew to Florida early next month for vacation in a condo on the beach. However, I told my son, who is a recent college graduate and just started a big boy job this week, that I don't know if I would take a week off so early into an important stepping stone position like this. Am I wrong? No. You're not wrong. Actually, same thing happened to my son who got promoted to a new job and was planning a vacation and was going to take a vacation early on, but he decided on his own, he didn't ask me, to not take that vacation. I understand that it's meaningful because it is a family vacation and he would like to be there and you would like to have him there, but in the early stages of a new job, I think it's best to get to know the lay of the land and be at that job until you feel you shouldn't feel uncomfortable taking a week off. And I would think that in the first several weeks of a job, you you probably do. Yeah, you want to make sure that you are, you know, putting your best foot forward when mm-hmm. you start a new job, show up every day on time, be where you need to be. Show up early. Don't show up on time. No, right. Show up show early. Up early. Yep. Uh, and make Lombardi sure time. Yeah, Lombardi time. <laughs> uh, and make sure you're there every single day. And, and again, Sometimes you're going to have to miss out on other things that you like to do or want to do with family and friends uh, when you have a job. So, you know, it's part of being an adult and part of growing up. And so, you know, hopefully that that, that young man, young woman figures it out and is able to, uh, to do that. I'm with you, Pops. Uh, dear Uncle Randy, my wife is from KC and she wants to move back. How do I convince her KC is the second best state, in the, the second best city in the show me state? All right. Kansas City has merged. And Kansas City is fantastic. And Kansas City is zooming by <laughs> St. Louis. All due respect, I love our town. And I'm never going to leave helping. our town. All right? I'm never going to leave our town. I love St. Louis. But we are a mess. And <laughs> your wife isn't wrong. 
And until we merge like they have, they're going to ascend and we are not. So I think you're fighting a losing battle here, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and I appreciate your love of St. Louis, but it's a really tough argument to make to say that right now, St. Louis is better than Kansas City as a town and a place you'd rather raise a family and, and travel around. Is it bad? I haven't been to Kansas City yet. It's great. Really? No, I just haven't. I haven't had time. It's a great weekend trip. It really is. It's fantastic. I You'll really want to go to a Chiefs game there. You'll have a great time. You will have a great time. Yeah. I guess I'll see when the, I'll have to watch the NFL schedule show. They, they got it planned for when you. When the yeah. Titans will be around. Yep. Or no? And by the way, Brooke, it's it's not just KC. I just use that as an example. But you've explained how Nashville merged yes. and that they've zoomed to the top of cities that you want to be in. Uh, Indianapolis has done that. Louisville has done that. Omaha yes. has done that. And. The good folks of St. Louis, hey. We have not yet done that. And that's one of the reasons, because we don't have everybody on the same page. It helps, just like in a sports team, to have everybody pulling the rope in the same direction. And those towns have that going for them. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole purpose of the merger, too, is, one, it just helps with resources. I know that, I and believe me, I've, I've talked to a lot of people around in town of just understanding what the hang-up is. I know that... That means no aldermen and certain other jobs. Mm-hmm. Before, I never would want people to lose their jobs. But if it's for the betterment, I, that only expands more jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. the way that seeing that Nashville has boomed, and you could always argue that it's the music city, so it's been a tourist destination. But what it is now, this past weekend, they had you know the Taylor Swift concert, a lot of different things going on. Going on. They had, oh, what was it, like? Over 500,000 people going through Nashville the entire weekend. Thinking, think about the amount of revenue that that brings in for the city, the county, the whole mm-hmm. Middle Tennessee area. And you watch what they've done because that's a city that had the opportunity to have a growth explosion. And we have that. That's the sad thing is, is that we have that opportunity here. But there are entities that don't want it to happen. By the way, every single corporate entity wanted... It to happen, but yeah. it's it's other political entities that didn't want that to happen. Would people actually lose their jobs, or would they be have different jobs, have different titles? It, it's more about well, the title for yeah. for people than than actually the job. I would. Think. Or it's the little twenty thousand dollar fifty three county municipalities. Mm-hmm. So the there's a lot of political entities in those areas that would lose. A little bit of income, but would it be for the betterment of the community? Yes, it would. The comptroller of Oakland, unfortunately, is going to lose his job. Yeah. Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, it's graduation season, and I'm getting so many invites to graduation parties from people, many of whom I haven't talked to in over 10 years. I feel it's just a money grab. Do I ignore the invites, RSVP no, or send a token check? Okay, so I've got a play here for you. Number one, how well do you know the parents? And is because if you haven't seen the kid in a long time, but you're, you've been close with the parents over the years, I think that's a good one to go to. However, if it is a family that you really haven't associated with, let's set the over under here at six years. If you have not seen or been around the family for six years, I would say that you don't have to go. Now, it is kind of a money grab, so send a little cash. But you don't. Here's the thing: the money is more important than the time. So just send a little cash. And if you haven't, if you don't know the person, if you, if you're at, a, how, about, how about this ground rule? If you're at the ballpark and you don't stop to say hi to that person when they're walking the opposite direction in the concourse, <laughs> you don't have to go. Mm, that's good. But sometimes you would stop and say hello if you see someone out. Yeah, but like but, if it's somebody that you haven't, so the last time you saw them, they were that's 11. A good, that's a good baseline. Right? Like 11, that. and now they're 17. Yeah. They're getting ready to graduate. 
you know? Yeah, I just would say you, it's okay to say no. Yeah. That's, you that's, don't that's feel bad yeah. about saying no. You don't owe anyone anything. Right. You don't owe anyone any money. If you are, as you said, if you're close to them and friendly and, and have conversations, you know, I think it more, I, I would say it matters more if you know the child, though. If you know that person that's graduating or, or you know, have some type of interaction, I, I wouldn't just send money for a child that I haven't talk to been around right even if i'm cool with their parents yep and it's completely different if you have a close association with the family like if it's somebody that you see every week and you just you don't see the because kids are doing their own thing when they're in high school you don't see the kids all the time so i look i'm going to set that one aside the one where you're close to the parents you see that we're going through that this is another story for another day but we're going through that right now with wedding invitation mm-hmm. stuff just getting ready for that mm-hmm. and i have to remind my fiance a lot of like we're doing a small wedding right right mm-hmm. <laughs> right and he's like yeah but but i like small wedding he's the one that is more of like oh wait no i just remember we need to invite this person this person i'm like you haven't seen them and uh, if you haven't seen a person probably within a year or two you know mm-hmm. then maybe you don't invite them to like a, a small event like that. Right. Yeah. What about like us? Yeah. What, we're in? Totally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a small one. We're getting bumped. The, these uh, three. Like the, like, no, yeah. no, we're, we're, getting, we're getting bumped. It's a small wedding. <laughs> small wedding. That means no coworkers. But, especially see, as long ones. as you say that, I feel like people shouldn't take offense to it, right? <laughs> yeah, like right. you just say yeah. it's small. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be offended. I'm not <laughs> expecting it. No. Uh, Granted, we have two success stories here from our time to Uncle Randy. Dear Uncle Randy, I texted in a few months back about my girlfriend and I buying a house together and whether or not I should propose now. Well, I'm happy to say that I did and we are happy engaged thank you Uncle Randy. Wow. Yeah. so uh, we'll ex- uh, 11647 olive boulevard uh we'll expect that <laughs> invitation to that wedding shoot you're welcome and hey we're, we're helping people get married yeah. and we're helping marriages thanks yeah. uncle randy i texted a while back about my snoring i got the cpap and my wife loves me again there, there you go. go wow yep. that's, that's great life yeah, advice. The, the cpap it's a life changer it is a life, life saver it, it really is mm-hmm. and if you don't have one and you're struggling sleeping if you wake up every single morning and you're tired you're probably not sleeping well at night maybe from not breathing properly mm-hmm. you get one of those you know the people that are you know, woman the husband whoever you're sleeping next to spouse significant other they're going to be much more thankful for uh, a sound sleep yeah. at night because you are not snoring i don't think i snore yeah, you probably you wouldn't know until somebody pays. <laughs> I think everybody thinks that until somebody tells you. Right. At least you're not. My mom laughs in her sleep sometimes. <laughs> that's fun. Do yeah, you snore that's, or do you it's have not fun. That's a real question here. That's oh, I, I'm, I get loud with my snore, and I, I do. I have a CPAP machine as well, so yeah. I have been told, "Yeah, you stop breathing. It's scary." Here's my thing. Really? That is scary. I, I have a CPAP machine, but I also am a toss and turner. Yeah. I sleep on my side. So you can't. Yeah. I, I'm not I, a back sleeper. Yeah. So oh, it's hard to use a CPAP. It is. I've almost choked myself with, with it at night. <laughs> That's so Gotten scary. wrapped up and feel. <laughs> I'm the same way, man. That's always kind of freaked me out. Randy, this is a good last one to, to okay. end it on. Hey, Uncle Randy, do you have a favorite all time Blues or Cardinals prospect? Oh, this like, is Like fun. the guy that you were the most excited about, like years coming up. Um, I really thought Todd Zeal was going to be a really good player. 
uh, minor league player of the year. was just talking about how in the 90s, like, he was supposed to be the second he, coming. He was going to be... And they kept pushing He, he, he was going to be Ted Simmons. Yeah. He was going to be that good he, when they when they brought him up. And they then Joe Torre was the manager and discovered very early on that he would be... Todd would be better served at third. But I thought, man, slugging catcher, 30 home run, 100 RBI guy. I was very excited about him. From the Blues, boy, they've had... Because they... I'll give you a guy. And so Ron Caron had a, a, a tendency sometimes to embellish the quality of his players. And they drafted a guy named Kyle Reeves, a right winger in the second round one time in the late 80s. And Ron Caron said, ah, he's our number two right wing to Brett Hall. <laughs> and he never wound up playing <laughs> in the league. Kyle Reeves was, was a guy true. that was exciting for me. But in terms of, uh, because the Blues have not had a lot of high draft choices, um, I really have not had a guy like that. So I would go, yeah, I would go with Kyle Reeves on the day he was drafted, and then I would go with uh, with Zeal for my Cardinal one. So there you go. And I, I'm sure that if I think about it more, I, I can think of more. By the way, uh, I was with a couple of former Cardinals the other day, uh, Bernard Gilkey and Brian Jordan. You guys might not remember. You, to Kerry, you do, because we've talked about him. Geronimo Pena. Oh, yeah. And his son, Jeremy, World yeah. Series MVP shortstop for the Astros. But both of those guys, when I brought up the name Hiranum, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. if he would have stayed healthy. Yeah, he because was, uh, switch hitting good. second baseman with Pop, yes. he could do it all. One time he separated his shoulder, though. He was going for a ground ball to his left, stepped on his glove oh. and separated his shoulder. Yeah. Hmm. So he had a tendency to get hurt. Hey, thanks for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan welcomed ESPN's Buster Only to the balloon party yesterday and only had some pretty pointed comments about Wilson Contreras. And it's kind of scary if you're the guy spending the $87.5 million to have Contreras as your catcher. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everyone is trying to make the best of an awkward situation, you know, trying to assure Contreras that they love him and he's their guy. But there's no getting around the fact that what the, you know, the Cardinals uh, sign him for, they're punting on it. And people around the game, you know, assume that, you know, at some point, yeah, maybe they might try. But generally speaking, they believe that his days as an everyday catcher are over. That's ESPN's Buster Only yesterday on the Balloon Party with Tim McKernan here on 101 ESPN. And Buster Only does talk to people throughout the industry on a daily basis. I think that those people that Buster is talking to have a tendency to underestimate the ego of the Cardinals. And I don't think that the Cardinals would do that. I don't think that the Cardinals would sign a guy to an $87.5 million contract and then decide 33 games into that contract that he is not going to catch for them anymore. I would be surprised if... Wilson Contreras did not pitch or catch for the Cardinals again. Will he be the Cardinals' regular catcher for the five years? Doubt it. But Mm -hmm. do the Cardinals really have it in them to admit an $87.5 million mistake? I don't think they do. No. I mean, to me, that just doesn't make any sense because, as you mentioned, it it seems like what have we heard from the Cardinals, especially with their early struggles? Patience, right? Mm -hmm. We've heard them preach patience. Ali Marmol said that. John Mozeliak said that. 
And then you're not going to have patience with Wilson Contreras or maybe give him the right resources. We heard Joe Madden yesterday about how much he worked with Wilson Contreras, how much that they kind of, in the words of Adam Wainwright, poured into him Mm -hmm. and invested in him. Because you made an investment in him. Five years, $87.5 million. And to just say that you're done with him as a catcher doesn't make any sense. And by the way, if you look at these recent outings, even without Wilson Contreras, I would say that Wilson Contreras was not necessarily the issue with starting pitching. It kind of seems like with what Yachty said, the execution is still not there. Yeah, I, I, I felt as though that was him was he was being made as the scapegoat for, yeah. for poor pitching so far this season. But I if they feel like it's that different when he's behind the plate in, in comparison to Kisner. I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if they decided to go in that direction. You know, Randy, I like to go to the casino. I, I frequent the casino, and one thing I had to learn <laughs> is when you start losing money, don't keep putting money into it. You got to go in a different route. And so, if you're you've already paid him this amount of money, you're already decided that he's going to be here. This is the contract he signed. But if you're not getting the wins, and you think that this is the cause of it then you will go in a different direction. And you'll just have to say, hey, he's going to be an $87.5 million DH, and we're going to deal with it. And we hope that he performs to the level of MVP caliber player. And the unfortunate thing is that only adds to the list of national people who believe that maybe the Cardinals were the last to know about Wilson Contreras. There's a perception in the game that he is not invested in the – you know, all the nuance and detail that, uh, you know, catchers are required and that the Cardinals obviously got a lot uh, of from Yadi Molina during his time with the team. And so there was a big surprise in the sport that uh, that the Cardinals made that kind of investment in Contreras to be an everyday catcher. Well, here's the thing. You invested in him, right? You were the ones that pursued him. Nobody forced you to go out and sign Wilson Contreras. Plain and simple. Nobody forced that. And they said they were very clear that finding a catcher was their big thing that they were going to pursue during the offseason. And they did that. And we were there for the introductory press conference. The way that they, you know, applauded and complimented Wilson Contreras, you when you invest that much money, people aren't going to feel sorry for it because, look, you have all the analytics that we see, but you have even more. You're sitting there. You're talking to people, you know, that have worked with him. You know what you are fully getting into. It looks to me like... Even though you knew what you were investing in, you didn't have a game plan of how you were going to utilize him or a plan for success for him, which is something that you should do when you're investing that much money and time into a player in your organization. You, you should know exactly who he is and what he is. And it's it's intriguing to hear Buster say that the Cardinals, Cardinals were the last to know that he was una- unable to do this. But then you hear Joe Madden say he did everything we asked him to do. We didn't have any issues with him. And he he listens. He he does not go – you know, he does. He follows the game plan and how much time he puts in. And then you're hearing, you know, something that contradicts that from other people. It's interesting to figure out who is right and who mm-hmm. is wrong or who is telling the truth and who is not. I will say this. If you have played this long and have had success at the major league level for as long as he has, he he knows how to do some things. He knows how to do some things well. I don't think you're able to fool people to that degree where you get fooled to the tune of $87 million and nobody knows. Yeah, I, I just think it's something going on with the Cardinals pitching and, and maybe not a familiarity with him or a comfortableness with him being behind the plate. So let me throw this question back to you guys. What did we know going into the season was going to be an issue or something that we felt like was an area of concern? Starting pitching. Starting yep. pitching. How do you feel about it thus far? Not great. The same. I mean, is it, that Wilson it, Contreras? 
I don't think so. No, it it's clearly not because the Cardinals are still allowing runs, and with two catchers, they still have the worst record in the National League. And by the way, even with a three-game winning streak and the worst record in the National League, uh, Buster only did tell Tim yesterday he thinks the Cardinals are going to win the Central. So I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with what Buster said there. Well, and also, too, does this mean that they just really undervalued Andrew Kisner and his connection with the pitching staff as well? It. it I, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's just very intriguing. In 2018, he played 133 games a catcher. He was an all-star. Yeah. And so you're telling me that he can be an all-star level player. That's not just him hitting the ball. That's obviously offense and defense. And he played the majority of the games in that season at that position. And now you're saying, yeah, he can't play this position at all. He's not going to be an everyday catcher. He's been pretty much an everyday catcher in his career at some point. So what's the what, what has changed? What has shifted? He was playing for a manager that manages people and feelings and flesh and blood. So not machines? Mm. Not machines, not robots. Okay. Makes a difference right. for a lot of people. That is Kerry. That is Brooke. I am Randy. Coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It coming your way here on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN. Um, not great. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you can take it, if you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Matthew, Randy, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Text 6, uh, the, the 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. All right. Uh, the NFL schedule, as we know, comes out tomorrow night, but we already have some leaks of the schedule. And we know that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to play twice in London this year, a first for an NFL team. Take it or leave it before too long, the Jaguars will be playing eight games in London. Take it. Oh, they're <laughs> take it. I'm going to take really? it too. I yeah. wish they were playing eight games in St. Louis. Yeah, me too. That'd be nice. Yeah, could be the Purple Stallions. Go, 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 you Purple <laughs> Stallions. We had that team in 19, 1993. They gave us all of October to settle our dome problem, our lease problem. We couldn't settle it, and we screwed it up. <laughs> and uh, so we don't have a team at all now. Oh, that stinks. Randy, the uh, Golden State Warriors are one game from being ousted in the uh, NBA playoffs. Take it or leave it. Jordan Poole will be traded in the offseason. Ooh. I'm going to take that, CD. I think it's going to happen. I think they have to. Yeah. I think they have to. Take it or leave it. We're going to see LeBron in the finals. Oh, well, if Rock has anything to do with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Rock has anything uh, to you're darn right about I'm that. I'm going to leave it because I mm-hmm. still think the Golden State Warriors are going to make a run here. Good. They got to win tonight. You can't worry about the next game. Got to win one tonight. By the way, you if we do, win one game at a if, time. if we do get Chokic and Embiid, last legitimate big man, big man, center, center matchup NBA Finals, Hakeem and Shaq in 95. Yeah. yeah 95. I, yeah. That's what I was. Well, yeah. No. What about Duncan and, and Ewing in 99? Uh, uh, Robinson Ewing 
Robinson yeah. Ewing. Robinson Ewing in yeah, 99. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about the 260, the, the 270, big, the big, the big fellas. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's probably. Ewing was sweating like you know what? in that you had some finals. <laughs> Take it or leave it. I, I was going back and forth with this. If moved by the trade deadline or is definitely leaving at the end of the season, Jack Flaherty is gone. Take it. I I was on Ooh. the fence about this early on in the season, but now with the way that things are going, I it feels like this is not going to last much longer. I'll, I'll leave it. More, I mean. If you're not, if you got a six, what is it, six point five? Six point one eight. Six point one eight. ERA. Is there going to be a lot of suitors out there for you? No. And you are, and you are walking a lot of batters. But now you're, you're getting ground balls and getting double plays, which is, but you got a lot of runners on base. But here's the thing, CD. If we're sitting here in a studio in St. Louis questioning the Cardinals' ability to get the most out of players because of their coaching staff, I think other teams in baseball are saying. You know what? I can fix Jack Flair. Yeah, mm. they do that. That's a good point. Change yep. of scenery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, what do you got for us? We got this from three different people. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals are above 500 at the All-Star break. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave it. Above 500 at the All-Star break. They are, what, 11 back now? Um, they are eleven games under. Yeah. As Tony Larusa would put it, they minus are. Nine. Yeah, yeah, they are uh, minus eleven. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't think they're that good. Now you got three at Boston coming up, and Boston is like the same as the Cardinals. Then you get the Brewers and Dodgers at home. By the way, sixteen dollar field level seats for the Brewers series next week. So you can Ooh, dig really? it if, if you're a baseball fan, and you just like watching ball. Uh, that's a pretty cool deal next next week. So go to cardinals.com for that. Then you go to Cincy, and Cincy is basically the same. You go to Cleveland. Cleveland's better. You get the Royals here. That might be a series where you take two out of three uh, because the Royals are as, well, they're struggling as Putrid. much as the Cardinals. Then you get the Pirates before the All-Star break. You, you go to Pittsburgh. You go to Texas. They're going to clean up on you. Reds at home, Giants at home. No, the Cardinals will not be above 500. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes. Can we write that down somewhere? Yeah. We'll, we need we've board. got it on tape now. We need a board. Yeah. Okay, Kerry. I like the optimism. I mean, they've won three in a row. Clearly, Wilson Contreras was the issue, right? The Warriors need to win three in a row. <laughs> you don't worry about what Golden State does. All right, sir. All right fair enough. <laughs> yeah, take, it or, take it or leave it. We should do the count fun count for the winning streak now because it's not going to last that long. Oh. Oh. I'm fine with that. Three. We, I don't even know if we have three. I don't, we have I don't think we started that early. Uh, yeah, I think it took uh, to like five. Yeah, that's kind of just. We need to get three. Yeah, because three is a winning streak. Yeah, I don't have three. Somebody texted in and said, "Take it or leave it." Tanner, Randy, and Rocky need to do a self-help podcast. You do not want self-help from Tanner. You do not want self-help from Tanner. Do you want self-help from Rock? You don't want self-help from me. Oh, either. okay. It's- I can be very contrite and very earnest when I need to be. Rock. You, and you helpful. Listen. If somebody wants to just sit and listen and not get a word in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am not so bothered. I don't know why people think that I need help. No, you're no, giving you some, you're you're giving the advice. Help. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're giving what I'm saying self-help. is I don't, want, I don't want anybody to be getting what? self-help advice from Tanner. What I'm okay. saying is when you or me, really. Rock and Tanner are giving self-help, then... Rock giving will be help. giving self help. Oh, there's no. He's going to be giving help. Yeah. <laughs> I love Tanner, but he's as dark into mine's, my, mine's pretty easy. R E L A. There you go. X. That's nice. Relax. Hey, hey, I'll be okay. 
You, you, you want a, a little help? Easy thing to do. I don't do drugs, though. Just weed. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, see, that's perfect. My, my advice was going to be very Matthew McConaughey-ish. Just, you know, just let it kind of just let it kind of happen. Let it, let just it just happen. Just let it happen. Oh, right eh? Life's life. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Did he say that? <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of like the attitude that McConaughey has. Which is why yeah, I kind of said the vibe, it after. right? Yeah. He's got the vibe. Did you hear the clip he just played? I'm, I'm obviously referencing something here. Jeez. Technically, <laughs> Conor McGregor going to Chicago will reignite the rivalry. Uh, what rivalry? The, the Blues Blackhawks rivalry. Oh, okay. Uh, In order for it to be a rivalry, both teams have mm-hmm. to be good. Yeah. So, are the Blues going to be good? Why not? Are the Blackhawks going to be good? Now, here's the thing. It does revive the uh, greatest bandwagon in the history of sports. Uh, you know, Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, hardcore fans since 2023. That's what they <laughs> uh, just uh, a diehard. Those diehard hawk fans since 2023, with all those bedard sweaters, they'll show up. Yeah, you know the, the same fans who who trudged through the snow for 1985 in the Bears championship weren't weren't like slugging it through for Blackhawks for 30 years. Oh uh, well, they they did for six years. Oh okay. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, wearing all their 18 and, uh, or 19 and 88 sweaters. Well, like the 90s and, and the early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, okay. They, they showed up. Uh, Miranda, take it or leave it. You want to go to Aerosmith, but ticket prices are crazy. Listen, we can, we, we, we got to solve for that. Yeah, we got, oh, we're yeah. going to give away tickets. Uh, yeah, I'll take it, though. Um, well, I'm going to take it that I want to go because I like Steven Tyler, and I think he's just cool. And this is coming up, by the way, on uh, let me get October 26th at Enterprise Center. Or as the sheet here says, Enterprise Center. <laughs> uh, but yes, and tomorrow, as we give away tickets for Aerosmith, and you can practice, and you can send this in, but we're going to have you sing the key phrase. For, and, and can we just, we need that piece of tape, we'll get it. But we need you to emulate Steven Tyler in the song Dream On. And we're going to yeah. get the best Dream On, and the person who provides the best Dream On tomorrow is going to win the tickets. And we get to judge it, right? Yes, we're going to be the judges. Nice. It's going to be awesome. We love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it. Also, we got a text in here that pointed out something fascinating. Forgot Patrick Ewing was hurt in that Nick Spurs uh, series. He hence, oh. hence why we now have the Ewing theory whenever a team plays better when you actually take away like a high-paid player. Hmm. Because they actually go to the finals when Ewing's actually hurt. Okay. So we are going back then to Shaq and Akeem then, right? Yeah. In 1995, 0550. Oh, wow. 20 years ago. Long time. It is. Wow. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Next up. Okay, Jack Flaherty thought he was okay. How'd he really do? That was next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. You just play with it the way that the game goes. There's certain times you, you up your velocity and there's certain times that you... Um, you can play with it if you got good. If you got enough feel for it, you can play for it with it. Kind of like certain situations there, you go ahead and um, pitch around certain guys. I mean, I've been dinged up by lefties all year, so I'm gonna pitch them a little bit tougher in a day like today. Um, 
to maybe get to that that righty in some of those situations. Um, yeah. That is Jack Flaherty last night following the Cardinals 6-4 win over the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Flaherty on the day, five innings. He walked five, struck out three, allowed three earned runs on seven hits. His earned run average now at 6.18 on the season and did walk some lefties to get to righties to the tune of 93 pitches in his five innings of work. And he was decidedly down in terms of his velocity. And that's something that Ali Marmol, the Cardinal manager, was asked about after the game is the lessened velocity for Flaherty, who, by the way, in 20, 21, 22, and now 23, has seen his average fastball velocity dip. And Ali was asked about last night specifically. Yeah, there's times where it was 88, 89, and then a couple pitches later he'd pop a 94, but it was in and out of that. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, and that just adds some more context to this, right? So just so that people understand, the reporters talk to the manager first, and then you're allowed to go into the clubhouse. So once Ollie's done, then you're allowed to go into the clubhouse. So if that's something that is discussed with Ollie Marmol, then you typically follow up with the player as well so that you mm-hmm. can get their side of the story. And that's just what I assume that they were their approach with that. And, it, and here's the thing. We talked about this earlier. I think it's fair to ask about you know, the fastball when you are seeing that dip in velo because of his prior injury history as well. So then you are concerned, okay, we've seen some, you know, not great outings where he hasn't been efficient. Is this injury related? I don't know if it's injury related. It sounds like he's being too, uh, trying to be too perfect. He said he was walking lefties to to get to the righties, if Mm -hmm. I heard that correctly. Is he pitching around them because he's, struggling with them and maybe that's causing the pitch count to go up or maybe that's causing some of the walks that are taking place. I don't know if I necessarily like that philosophy, but again, we don't really know what the philosophy is for the pitching staff. So, you know, maybe that's part of the game plan. You don't if you if you don't pitch well against certain certain uh batters, you you just walk them. Well, and that's that's kind of my question listening to that too afterwards is what does this mean that the coaching staff is doing in these situations. Like, it sounds like Jack Flaherty is the one that's kind of coming up with his own game plan. It's not going to plan. But then you had all that stuff with Wilson Contreras leading up beforehand, and it seems like maybe there was some tensions with the pitching staff there as well. Who? What is the coaching staff doing in this situation, you believe? I don't know. That's a great question. And I don't know how much, how much cachet does this particular coaching staff have. If you're Jack Flaherty and you had that historic 2019 stretch run, and you're working your way through an injury. I don't know what, because Jack obviously says that people that have watched the game and covered the game for years don't understand the art of pitching. Does he trust Dusty Blake? to understand the the art of pitching? I do not know. I think that that's a very fair question because it just, it does seem like maybe this game plan we keep hearing about, game planning, right? We heard that with Wilson Contreras, that those little nuances are not there with Wilson Contreras. What are these nuances and what is the coaching staff doing to make sure that these players feel comfortable and confident going to the game with a game plan? Yeah, you have to have ultimately the confidence of the players if you're going to coach them. Now, one thing to Jack Flaherty's credit, he talked about walking guys to get to other guys, and he was able to induce a couple of more double plays. And he, he talked about limiting the damage. Uh, yeah, it's, you got to make pitches when you need to. Did a better job of that today than I did last time. And last time he allowed 10 runs on nine hits. So it wasn't difficult to do a better job of that, you would hope. Yeah, well, so in his past 12 innings, Flaherty has allowed 31 base runners. 
31 base runners. Yeah. You could you could look at that and you're like, man, he's gotten really lucky. And honestly, I don't know if you guys felt this way last night. We were watching the game with Suzuki. When that just went yeah. way out to left, I was like, oh my God, of course this is going to happen. That felt like a very lucky moment. You do have to give him credit for inducing the double plays, but he that also means he's kind of in a lot of situations where he needs that. Yeah, that was in the fifth inning after he had walked Happ and Bellinger and, yeah. and got those guys on base. And then you give up that that what looked like could be a shot. I thought it was gone. <laughs> I thought it was gone. You begin to panic a little bit and, and you know you feel like it's going to all fall apart. But fortunately for him, it was not out of the park. And so you, you're... You're just trying to figure out ways to to be better every single outing. And I think that that post-game presser was a little bit frustrating for Jack because he knows he's not performing to the level that he has been or has in his career. And he's walking guys and not having the success that he wants to. He is getting the double plays, which is great, but we would like to see less runners on. And I think that would eliminate some of the runs. And if this team was going to succeed, we talked about it all offseason. If this team was going to succeed... It needed Jack Flaherty to be great. He, yeah. Jack Flaherty mm-hmm. needed to be a number one. And this team, if Jack Flaherty is not what he was and it doesn't look like he's going to get back to that level, at least anytime soon, then this team isn't going anywhere. Yeah, well, and that seems to be one of the big reasons that they were hinging on Jack Flaherty having a great season as to why they didn't go out and get another starting pitcher, mm-hmm. right? Because they believed in Jack Flaherty's ability this season to come back. That and the $35 million price tag. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that had a lot to do with it too, painfully. And yeah. it's decisions like that where you're kind of seeing this moment that I will never think that it was a good idea how they handled the Wilson Contreras situation, but the one thing that you can look at that comes out of this is, look, the excuses are out the window yeah. with the starting pitching, mm-hmm. okay? You you supposedly have issues with Wilson Contreras in the way that he calls the game. That's gone now. So the excuses are gone. It's just you. And the Cardinals now are in that position because I do think that they kind of got left behind. They didn't have the foresight to recognize what was going to happen with the pitching market when Scherzer got his 43, when Verlander got his 43, when Rodon got his contract. Now everybody knows what it takes. Now, is the pool of free agent pitchers going to be what it was last year? No, this coming season. But they do need to find a way to get a legitimate number one pitcher. And they can't count on Gordon Graceffo to be their number one. Michaelis isn't a number one. Montgomery isn't a number one. They need a number one guy. Exactly. And Look, I'm not I'm not going to try to judge the situation of how they spend their money, but you did have a lot of money and revenue coming in with Yachty and Albert Pujols' final season. I mean, I, I feel like I remember them even saying that, and it feels like you would hope that they would reward the fans in that way with using that towards, I don't know, maybe getting a starting pitcher, another one. They, if they If they want to compete, they have no choice. Now... We look at this year, and I've brought it up a lot. Verlander has yet to throw a pitch. Rodon has yet to throw a pitch. Jacob deGrom is on the IL. He's been hurt pretty much the whole time. Uh, Jose Quintana, who I wanted them to bring back, has yet to throw a pitch. So even if you go out and spend that money on a pitcher, there are no guarantees. That being said, hey, because of what you said, Brooke, the fact that the Cardinals didn't make a lot of money last year, they should be in a position to make a big offer to Shohei Otani. 
Oh, oh, I thought I Randy. saw I thought it, I saw an estimate of what people are thinking he's going to go mm, for, and it's six hundred million. Six hundred million. That's what I thought oh I saw. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my heavens! My my dude <laughs> That is a lot of money. That is uh, that, that's a breathtaking amount of money, isn't <laughs> it? It, it is. is. I, I was literally shocked in that moment when you said that. Yeah. So it's <laughs> uh, hurt. You just do, do you have a team? Hook. Yep. Scherzer has a player option. Do you? Would you roll the dice on Scherzer at his age with his injury issues? Is he a number one for the Cardinals next year? No. Marcus Stroman is a free agent if he chooses to opt out with the Cubs. Charlie Morton, that's not who you're looking for. Clayton Kershaw is not coming here. Ryu is hurt all the time. Martin Perez, yeah. It's Martin Perez kind of fits in with what you've already got. Lance Lynn. Now, does Lance Lynn, he... he he slots in as a number one on this team probably for next year, but he's not a number one. He's not an overall league number one. Kyle Hendricks fits in really well with this team if he's healthy and does what he's done in the past, but he's not a number one. So if the Cardinals are going to find a number one, they're going to either have to develop him or they're going to have to trade for him. It's likely, I'm, I'm not going to say definitively, but it's likely not coming in free agency. Do they have a number one? No. No? No, they don't. Not here? Not in, not in, not in the minors. Maybe sometime. I don't know. Here's the thing. To me, a number one is fierce, mm-hmm. like a Scherzer, like a Verlander, like a Chris Carpenter. And I don't think the Cardinals build fierce anymore. I think Jordan Montgomery has that in him. Yeah, I think he he has the ability. I think he's your ace, despite he be, his record number, right now. Yeah, he's their number one. But yeah. is is he a number like, one? Yeah. Do you pitch him? In the first game of a series, I'm not even going to go playoff series. Do you pitch him in the first game of a series against a Kershaw, against a healthy Max Freed, against a even a, pitch? even a Scherzer? I'm, but you're sure you pitch him. But do you feel confident? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel confident that you're going to have a one-one or scoreless game after seven innings with Jordan Montgomery against a really good team? I, I think Jordan has done outstanding. I think, I think in, his, in his starts, he hasn't gotten gotten the help in the lineup that uh, he needed. He had a couple of games where, uh, you know, sometimes the ball was booted. I remember the ball out in San Francisco, I believe, that was booted by Edmund, where, where he could have got out of that inning. There are things that have just happened, you know, when he's on the mound in comparison to the other guys. I think he is and can be your ace. I think he should have I think he's, yeah. more wins than he has right now, and, and he's done a really good job. I what? agree 100% that he is their ace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their ace. But is he, if you put him on the Phillies, where does he slot in hmm. with Wheeler and yeah. uh, and Nola? That's the, that's the thing is... I love him. I think he's great, but I don't think that he is a, a number one. And by the way, there might only be a half dozen, seven or eight number one guys in yeah. the whole sport. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the bird watch. Stick around. It's Brooke. It's Carrie. It's Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. It is time for Bird Watch here on 101 ESPN. We've got little bird sounds for you, and uh, we're, there you go. And we've got bird ideas for you. Uh, Brooke with the cowboy hat, what do you got going today? Well, 
have to talk about good old Paul DeYoung. Oh, yeah. DeYoung. DeYoung. <laughs> yes. I, I like a good comeback story. And I'll be the first to admit, you could probably go back to the episode when he first got called up and say, well, this is nice because it seems like historically in his career, he makes an impact pretty quickly when he comes back from the injured list or anything like that. And then he just drops off. That seems like to be the constant story for Paul DeYoung. But he's been really steady so far. DeYoung's homer was the 14th he has hit at Wrigley Field, specifically in 50 games. I just thought this was a cool stat that a lot of people tweeted out last night. It was also the 13th homer he has hit in the ninth inning in his career, six of which have come at Wrigley. Hmm. That's interesting. So we have Paul DeYoung, the Cub killer, but also not just that. It seems like he is, he looks just a lot more confident, relaxed, confident in his game right now, which is what you like to see with Paul. I am confident that he is going be to nice. be great for the rest of the season. Be nice, Randy. I'm trying to. Okay. All right. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, Randy, I'm going to look at this bullpen, Brooke. The bullpen is, uh, right now we are... I think I think Ali is trying to figure out who he can trust in this bullpen. Jojo Romero had the the incident a couple of days ago. He sent down. Then you bring Palante in. He gives up a home run to tie the game. We've seen Jordan Hicks blow save. We we've seen blow saves. We've seen Ryan Helsley. We've seen Gallegos. Cabrera seems to be the the most consistent one right now in the in the I guess deep late inning role type of type of responsibility. Right now the Cardinals are ninth first. In the in, in major league with nine blown saves, so I want to see how well this bullpen really starts to round into shape and figure out who can be trusted when and where uh, on a consistent basis. That's one of the things I think that is causing some of the issues mm-hmm. with the with the starting pitching. You you want those guys to go longer, but you are almost afraid of of what's going to take place when they get out of the game because they are uh, the, the bullpen has not done a great job consistently enough. You're getting it now, but. All in all, overall, throughout the entire season, it has been consistent enough. So seeing what they do is going to be important. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's like this starting pitching with them not going deeper into the games, this is putting quite a strain on the bullpen. You're going to them a lot. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that they've blown that many saves because you're using them a lot more than you probably mm-hmm. should. And I mean, especially when your starters are going like, what, five innings? Yeah. I mean, that's... You're going to lean on those guys yeah. to pitch some innings. Yeah. But I think it's just, it's been difficult because, you know, you have Gallegos who was doing really well and and hadn't given up a hit. And we were talking, well, why is he close? Why did why did Helsley come in in the seventh and eighth and not finish the ninth? And you bring Gallegos in. Well, he had done great up until that point. Then, boom, you give up a, a blown save. Helsley has had issues. Jordan Hicks, we know his struggles that he's had, and he's starting to get things going in the right direction. I think the Cardinals are trying to figure out, like I said, who they can trust in those late inning situations when the games are close because it's up in it's been up in the air for them. It's interesting. You can win with your bullpen providing nine or ten outs a game, and it's a, a really fine line. You cannot win with your bullpen having to give you twelve or thirteen outs a game. No, no, not every night. No. I mean, you know the. The middle reliever guys, Verhagen, Stratton, I think those guys have done a pretty decent job. It's the it's the late inning guys that have come in and and again, they've done really good until they haven't, and then you're like, well, well, what are you supposed to do? They they they've shown it and then they, then they don't. Guys, 
We are coming up on the two-year anniversary of Jack Flaherty beating the Pirates here in St. Louis. He went six innings. He allowed two runs on uh, uh, four hits, and he improved his record to 8-0 and on May 19th of 2021. His earned run average at that point was 2.53. He lost his next start, and then the start after that got hurt in L.A. Since winning that game against Pittsburgh on May 19th of 2021, Jack Flaherty has only thrown 96 and two-thirds innings in two years. His record is 5-7, and seven, and his earned run average is well over 5, and his whip is nearly 2. I fear that since the oblique injury and then the shoulder injury that he suffered the following year, I fear that we have seen far and away the, the best Jack Flaherty is going to be. And yes, he may understand, and it's wonderful to understand, the art of pitching. But if you have a great pitching brain and your shoulder is not cooperating, you're not going to be a great pitcher. And I think we've probably seen the last of Jack Flaherty as a great pitcher. Well, because, I mean, if you are dealing with injuries or coming back from injuries, that affects you mentally. I mean, it's hard to kind of block out, I assume, block that out of your head of re-aggravating that or any little thing come up. And that's why, once again, that fastball question is asked, because once your velo starts going down from what we have seen, then people are going to think that it's going to be injury related. Is there any way you guys, because I would not, would sign Jack Flaherty to a contract? Would you give him a two-year deal for $18 million? A year? No, or a total? Two, uh, two, two for nine a year? Yeah. Yes. $18 million dollars total or $18 oh, no, 18, million a year? 36, over, yeah, 30, okay. 36 total over two. I was two. thinking two for 40. Because oh, so, he's yes. going to look... He's going to be looking for at least to that. I was thinking two for forty. I would. I. I think if he can give you he he if he can give you the innings and cut down on the walks, I don't. I don't think I would have a problem with that. But the narrative, if he's not an ace, the narrative that he is or will be, you know, you have to just shift your your thought process on that. Do you make him a long reliever? No, he's know. not going to. I wonder what the market that. will bear for him yeah. in free agency, though. Um, okay, twenty twenty four. Of finding something. <laughs> here's my thing. They just gave Michaelis eighteen and a half a year for two years for twenty four and twenty five. Should Flaherty get what Michaelis is getting? Yes, yes. I wouldn't have an issue with that. Again, ninety six innings over the last two years, five and seven, with the, an earned run average of five plus. The he's the I think the ERA is going to come down. You know he he's. Obviously, he's pitching around. We talked about pitching the left-handed hitters and, I guess, picking his spots and not really going after him. I think if he figures that part out and, and cuts down on the walks, you cut down on, on the pitches because that's a killer when you have so many pitches each game and you're not able to go extra, you know, more innings than he's been going. By the way, Kerry, Michaelis did give the Cardinals only 44 and two-thirds innings in 21 20 and 21 because he was hurt, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a shoulder. The The thing that scares me about Flaherty is that it is a torn labrum. But he hasn't, I mean, he he's not, so we, we heard, you know, he, he threw 88 and then he threw mm-hmm. 94. So it's not, the, the velocity isn't an issue like I think people are thinking. But it's gone down in each, in 20, 21, 22, 23 now. It's, so it's he's not consistently throwing it at that, that hard of a level. And maybe he's, I don't know, hopefully he's working on something. Mm-hmm. I just want to see him get guys out and not walk around, pitch around people and give, them, give up walks. I don't either. Here's why I wouldn't do it. I think at his best, they've got those guys. When you've got Michaelis, I think Montgomery is better. Uh, when you've got Steven Matz, left-handed, same guy. 
that's the problem, is that they've got a lot of Jack Flaherty's right now, and they need him to be what he was, not what he is. That's why you pay him that. Because if you can get him for that and he does become that, you, you got, got a something. deal. You got a steal of a deal because you know it's there. You, you, you've you seen it. Now, if it's an injury issue, which we don't know that it is, he hasn't said that it is, he has that in there. It's just about finding the right spot, finding that groove and getting back into that groove and, and, and being there. He has a chance to still, it's only May 10th, still has a chance to make himself some money. Yeah. If, if he has a good May, June July, August, especially September, he can make himself a lot of money. I just need to know. I would love to know, and I don't know if any of the reporters have asked this yet, um, with Jordan Montgomery, if those talks have started back up with him and the Cardinals. Because remember, he said during spring training that he would like those talks to happen. That's somebody where it's like, I, that's a lot of that money needs to go to Jordan Montgomery. Not saying that you can't have both, but... That would be my primary focus right now is courting Jordan Montgomery, feeling him out and figuring out what you need to do to keep him here. Two and four with the three point two nine right now. And in forty one innings, he has struck out thirty eight. Pablo Lopez got a deal just a couple of weeks ago from the Twins. So I would think that the template is there at least for players to sign the long term deal. Uh and we don't know what Jordan Montgomery's thought process is, but the Twins and Lopez were able to come together on their deal. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Do we have a fighter, Matthew, or do you need a fighter? We do have a fighter for the fight, which is coming your way next. Wow. Yeah. Good luck. On uh, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? My grandmother used to say, careful what you wish for, and she was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to take on Randy today, so we'll see how it goes. Quick question for okay, you. Thanks. A question. Yes. Quick question for you, Mike. Do you know... <laughs> We're Sorry, having Rock a debate. Is, We're Rock having a debate in the studio. Do you know why your family chose to give you the name Mike with the meaning behind it? Uh, yeah, uh, we're Catholic, so Michael the Archangel. Yeah, so Rock, Rock, is so Rock, Rock is ecstatic, right? He, he is flipping things, <laughs> dropping things. We just wanted to know. We we were wondering. So, we, you know, there, we get a lot of mics yeah. that call in. So we uh, we were just wonder, wanted to know. All right, Mike, here we go. I was a sports writer at one time, and I signed my first column, Michael Fleming, and my editor said, you're not Michael, you're a sports writer, you're Mike. So maybe that's one. <laughs> wow. All right, Mike, here we go. Rest in peace to Hall of Fame college basketball coach Denny Crum. Which school did he lead to two national championships in the 1980s? Was it UCLA, Houston, or Louisville? Louisville, final answer. Prior to Joel Embiid, who was the last 76er to win MVP? Charles Barkley, Moses Malone, Allen Iverson. Uh, Allen Iverson. In Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS, which Cardinal, who gave, who gave the Cardinals the 3-1 lead with a two-run home run in the ninth inning? Was it John Rodriguez, Scott Rowland, or Yadier Molina? Um, I'll say Scott Rowland. 
Which NHL Hall of Famer holds the record for power play goals in Stanley Cup playoffs history with 38? Alex Ovechkin, Brett Hole, Mike Bossy. Mike Bossy. Quick like a bunny, Mike. I like it. We're going to double check those answers and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. All right. Thanks, folks. How you feeling, Mike? Oh, I'm doing great. I you... feel good. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, careful what I wish for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you seem to pretty you seem pretty knowledgeable on on most of the topics, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, thanks. Maybe Randy will have a an off day, a rare off day. You never know. Randy, say hello yeah. to Mike. Uh, Mike, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Uh, been following you folks for quite a while, so I'm really uh, quite uh, happy to be on here until. You score and <laughs> lose. We are honored that you uh, took the time to listen and to, to spend some time with us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Rest in peace to Hall of Fame college basketball coach Denny Crum. Which school did he lead to two national championships in the 1980s? You know, people always thought that he would go back to UCLA. He was actually an assistant under John Wooden at UCLA, but he never did. He stayed at Louisville for his entire career and uh, won his two titles with the Louisville Cardinals. Prior to Joel Embiid, who was the last 76er to win MVP? Hmm. Prior to Joel Embiid. Well, you had Dr. J. You had Moses Malone. Um, but I'm guessing it's AI. I'm guessing it's uh, Allen Iverson. In Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS, who gave the Cardinals the 3-1 lead with a two-run home run in the ninth inning? Ooh, that was fun. And it surprised those Mets fans, didn't it? It was almost Scott Rowland earlier, and Andy Chavez made the great catch. But I'm believing right now that uh, it might have been Yadier Molina who hit the two-run homer to give the Cardinals the lead and break the hearts of uh, the uh, fans in New York at Chase Stadium. Which NHL Hall of Famer holds the record for power play goals in Stanley Cup playoff history with 38? So he's a Hall of Famer. Let's start. Uh, I will do the old lifeline here, Brooke. Alex, Alex Ovechkin. He's Brett not a Hall Holt. of Famer yet. Oh, that's true. So that cuts it down. Brett Holt <laughs> and Mike Bossy. <laughs> I will go with Mike Bossy. He played on four, count them, four Stanley Cup champions. With the New York Islanders. And actually played in five Stanley Cup Finals. A lot of playoff games for Mike Bossy. We have a winner in today's fight. And like a lot of these fights lately, it's a close one. The winner only winning by one question. Was another Mike able to do better where the previous Mike's failed? Or does Randy Carricker move on? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Mike. Randy Carricker beat you 3-2 to two in today's fight. Oh, well, uh, better luck next time. I'll probably call in next time with St. Michael. There you go. There you <laughs> Thanks, go. Mike. Let's go through those questions. Rest in peace to Hall of Fame college basketball coach Denny Crum. He won two national championships, both with Louisville, 1980 and 1986. You were very correct about the UCLA factor with John Wood and everything. Nicely done there. Prior to Joel Embiid, the last 76er to win MVP was, in fact, 2001-2001 season. Allen Iverson raised that MVP trophy. In Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS, it was, in fact, Yadi 
Wagner Molina, who hit a two-run shot to give the Cardinals the lead there. It was Scott Rowland that he scored in that inning. And just a little piece of trivia, John Rodriguez was uh, the Cardinal who got the last out as he pinch hit for Randy Flores. Johnny Lode. And which NHL Hall of Famer holds the record for power play goals in Stanley Cup playoff history with 38? It is not Ovi. It is, in fact, Holy. former St. Louis Blue Brett Hull with 38. Holy. Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy are tied at second with 35. So Holy wow. number one with 38. Randy wins the fight today with 30, excuse me, with three 30. to two win. Mike, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Hey, have a blessed day, everybody. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you thank very you much, Mike. Blessed by St. Michael. There it is. That's pretty there good. Go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, there is a new writer on the roster at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and at stltoday.com. His name is Lynn Worthy and will join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker on the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And with uh, some changes happening over at the Post-Dispatch, the retirement of Rick Hummel, the Post has hired a new baseball writer, and it's Lynn Worthy, formerly covered the Royals, for the Kansas City Star. And Lynn joins us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Lynn, we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet. It's great to have you with us on the show. Thanks for your time this morning. How's it going? Good. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, holy cow, you walked into a situation with this job that I'm sure that you didn't expect. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, uh, to say the least. A lot uh, different than what I expected, um, than a lot of people expected, I would say. Lynn, what has the mood been like around the ball club? Because obviously you had the, we, we've been using the word kerfuffle with, with <laughs> Wilson Contreras over the weekend. Uh, all the conversation that came out about that. How has it kind of flipped? Because they're starting to win now. Has it changed a little bit in that in that clubhouse? I think um, there was always a sense that they were going to turn it around, or at least that's what you heard from guys. I mean, whether that's from all the, all the way down to guys in the clubhouse, there was a sense that they, they were too good of a club for that to continue. I mean, you talk about an eight-game losing streak, and, you know, just it seemed like they were finding different ways for things to go wrong. Um, they, they figured that that was going to have to stop at some point. Um, I think it was just a matter of how big of a hole they might dig before they got it turned around, whether they could get it turned around consistently and go on a run. Um, but they knew that that was going to stop. So I don't, I don't think that this was a surprise. I think it was just a matter of how long it took them to sort of get on track. And now it's a matter of, okay, are they back on track? Is it going to be up and down? Are they going to be able to do this consistently? Well, Lynn, we've been talking a lot this morning about starting pitching, especially Jack Flaherty's outing last night. And I was reading your article, and you put in his twelve and his past 12 innings, Flaherty has allowed 31 base runners, a dozen of them, coming Tuesday night. And I like what you said here. For the third consecutive start, he played Frogger. That kind of seems like a good way to describe it, right? Well, well, that was actually uh, our call, my colleague Derek Gould who uh, wrote last night's game story. But um, I know he's, uh, you know, Jack. He had a couple of strong starts early, and then he had that the last one in St. Louis that was um, things went a little sideways on him, and uh, that's the one where afterwards, you know, he mentioned sort of the staff struggles and the two strike pitches and. And it seemed like was he questioning what the some of the the, the strategy or some of the pitch calling? Um, and it wasn't totally clear. You know, like, okay, are you saying something about like the way some of the changes? And you know, he sort of left vague. Um, 
But yeah, he's uh, you know even at the strong starts early, he was working around a lot of walks, and so um, that was the interesting thing. As I'm watching last night, was trying to figure out like, okay, you know, and I think you guys have touched on it, the velocity thing. Is that well, was that because he was having some issues with command and he was taking a little bit off of it? And I think they even said that during the broadcast. Was he taking a little bit off of it to try and get better control? Like you, you don't know until you ask. And so it was, it was just interesting to see you know, all season, how he's been developing or how he's been progressing and, you know, the good starts, the, the, the bad starts, getting out of trouble, but his tendency to be able to come up with double plays, it seems like all the time, uh, it's just an interesting uh, start to a season for him. Um, and, you know, just the fact that he's back healthy and is making, you know, cons- uh, consistent starts is one thing, but then also just the, the way those starts have gone has been really interesting just because it's not the same script anytime. Lynn, I think it's also been interesting to watch the bullpen. You, you, it seems as though Ali is trying to find the right pieces. You know, you, you bring guys up, you send guys down. You have Jordan Hicks, who has done poorly to start the season, but started to pick up. And then it just feels like every time you throw a guy out there after he has some good days, sometimes he gets beat up. And it's, it, it, what have you seen from the bullpen and how they're trying to figure out who's going to be in in what roles and what times? Yeah, they've. I mean, I think the guys that you know you want to count on, you know, uh, Giovanni Gallegos and, and Ryan Helsley, um, have been pretty solid. I mean, of course, everybody, you know, any reliever is going to have their hiccups. They're going to have, you know, some bomb saves. Um, but I think trying to to figure out how map out how to get to those guys, um, how to work through certain situations. I mean, I think was it the last homestand, the perfect example. People were surprised about Helsley coming in in that, uh, I believe it was the, the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. And I think in Marmol's mind, part of that was like, okay, if Jordan Hicks was able to get through that seventh inning, which is what they had, they had Hicks out there. They're hoping he gets through that inning. If he gets through that inning, the plan would have been, then they would have gone to Geo and then bring Ryan Helsley in to finish it. But at that point where Hicks was starting to get a little shaky, he went to Helsley to try and stop things right there Otherwise, he's worried that you don't get to Helsley at the end because at that point the game might have gotten away from you. So he's bringing them in at that spot to try and hold it right there. Um, and then, you know, I think it was that was the day that um, things went uh, a little bit rocky with uh, with Geo after the fact. And so, you know, it's it's you got a couple of guys that you know for sure you can count on it's trying to get to those guys and try to make sure that you use those guys in the best possible spots to give you a chance to win is sort of what they've been working through. And then ups and downs. I mean, Hicks, you know, they're starting to use him in big situations again, but there was a point in time where that was, that was going to be one of the last options to come out there. And then, you know, like last night, Chris Stratton, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he sort of worked his way into the circle of trust, you know, it's, <laughs> um, it's interesting. And then, you know, they, they bring Palante back. He was the guy they going into the season, thought you were going to be able to count on him. He had some hiccups, um, you know, that that, uh, that outing um, where he gives up the big home run um, in a key spot, and then he ends up getting sent down partially just because, you know, they needed fresh arms. Um, so it's, there's been moving parts. There's been a lot of guys they've been trying to sort through, okay, who can we trust, who can we count on, and how can we use, you know, the two guys that we think we can count on to the best of the ability to try and get wins. Lynn Worthy of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch with us on 101 ESPN. And, Lynn, we're talking about getting to the bullpen, and obviously the starting pitching is going to be key there. The Cardinals, after 37 games, are 13-24. and 24. They would have to, uh, if my math is correct here, they would have to go uh, – they could only have eight losses in their next 37. They'd have to go nine, uh, 29 and 8 
over their next 37 to get back. So uh, do you think the starting pitching is there for the Cardinals to be able to put together a run where they could win 15 of 19 to get back to 500? Well, I mean, just, you know, um, uh, probability-wise, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't bet on that. But at the same time, I think their pitching is, is better than what it has shown. I think Miles Michaelis got off to a slow start. Nobody wants to use the WBC as an excuse, but he was also one of those guys that not only did he go, but his usage in the WBC was just sort of erratic compared to what you would have expected if he was on a, a regular spring training schedule. Um, so the first couple starts of the season were a little bit rocky, but it seems like he's gotten more back on track. His last few starts out, he had a really good start on the road. Um, you know, he's he's starting to look more like what you would expect from him. Um, we're just starting to see Wayno back in the rotation again, too. So you, you, know, you swap out Woodford from Wayno. Uh, you expect to get consistent starts, consistent performance from Wayno. He had a strong start up until late into the, his first start and you know and also the defense sort of let him down a little bit there as well um so the, the pitching you know whether or not they have pitch, uh, enough pitching to go on that type of a run you know it's hard to predict that with any pitching staff because you know it's ups and downs but i think it's better than what we saw early in the season and then also there's the big variables of you know whether jack has an, an up and down night whether Steven Matz, you know, his last time out looked really good. The time before that, you know, got got beat up early. Um, and then, you know, the one most consistent guy, Jordan Montgomery, it seemed like he's, he's one of those guys, like if everybody was pitching the way he was pitching, you say, yeah, they'd, have, they'd be able to go on that sort of a run. But you just, you know, you don't have that. Hey, Lynn, welcome to the St. Louis sports scene. We're thrilled to have you here and thrilled to have you with us on the opening drive for the first time. Thanks so much, and we'll see you at the ballpark. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Lynn Worthy from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch with us on 101 ESPN. That's my biggest thing is do the Cardinals have the starting pitching? And granted, they've won three in a row against the Cubs. They've started 13 and 24. Could you envision the Cardinals going 24 and 13, this group? I just can't. To get back to – that's just to get back to 500. Mm. It feels like a lot. Especially the strain you're putting on the bullpen, too. I mean, that's, that's a lot of pressure if the starters can't go deeper than they have been. In these games. Yeah, and last year the Phillies got in with 87 wins. So you, you'd have to go 24 and 13 to get to 500, and then you'd have to play six over, 12 over, to uh, to be in a playoff position. Well, I, I mean, when you're looking at this division now, it, it doesn't feel like it, it's impossible. No. it. it I mean, 82 could get you in with this division the way that it's it's playing out. We'll see how if they're able to go on a run in a, in a way where they win six, seven, eight games in a row and have that yeah. 15 out of 20 that you're talking about. Boy, was it nice to have those 20 more division games. 19 before, now 14. So you lose 20 games in the division against the worst division in baseball. The schedule isn't terrible. You have the, Brew- you have the Brewers, the Better. Dodgers, the Red Better. Sox. They're all... Better. But then you have, you know, the Pirates, the Reds, the Pirates Rangers. Are way better. The Reds are the same. Rangers are way better. I get you, Rock. Guardians. Positive. Guardians are, are better. Okay? Royals. Royals are worse. Okay, so you Rock. gave us he was three series wins Michael. there. No. That's what it was. You one. One? Yeah, there's two one. against. Sorry, there's two Royals. series against the Reds. Oh no, they're saying the Reds are better. Reds no, are. Reds it's a coin flip. Oh jeez. We're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna get a win today. Who's in last place in the division right now? We are. Cardinals. It's we again for me, in case you didn't notice that. Three right. in a row. Yeah, three in a row. We, we like that change for you. It has happened. <laughs> and they're going to get a uh, sweep today. Oh, sweet. Bring bring, bring Ooh, the brooms out baby. In, uh, 
in Chicago. Yeah, I'm just saying you could, Justin Steele. you could have to play any of the top teams in the NL East. Somehow you're somehow you're dodging them until July entirely, which is kind of nice. I mean, you have the Nationals coming in like late June, but I mean, it's, it, the schedule could be a lot worse. But at this point, that's the thing is, we don't even talk about the schedule anymore because we're not even confident that it matters who they're playing because they can't get nine consistent innings out themselves. Two wins against the Cubs yeah. are a wonderful deodorant. Three games, games against the Cubs would be like Old Spice Extra Sporty. <laughs> a sweep! <laughs> the Cardinals were going to get a sweep. Yeah, it would be a sweep. But let's just be real here. Okay. See, this is the one time I try to be happy. I know you're trying to be sunshine lollipops. I just get. We don't down. like it. Okay. And I just get beaten down. I'm, exactly. I, I'm not beating you down. I'm just trying to. Uh, I, I want to bring some rationality to Fair this enough. situation here, and I'm just of the belief that this team, at 13 and 24, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't think that's very good. And you go to Boston. Cardinals are not a good road team, and Boston, they're they're not great. But they're they're the worst team in the East in the American League East. Um, not great. Right. Then you get the Brewers at home. Brewers are they can pitch better than the Cardinals can. Then you get the Dodgers at home. Good luck there. It's just going to be tough. It's for me. It's just finding putting these pieces together. Brooke, you said it yesterday. It's like a, a what a thousand piece puzzle. Yeah. And Instead you, of and just you like lost a little some pieces one. and you got <laughs> your grandma I'll, trying to figure it all out. I'll say this based on what we have experienced. Towards the end of May, if the Cardinals can get to 500, I think that'll be a success. If they finish 81 and 81, I think that'll be a success, and they'll be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Eh. Randy, somebody's—I mean, <laughs> somebody has to win the division. Randy, somebody has to. Yeah, I think someone. I think Milwaukee's starting pitching will have them over 500. Oh. Somebody got to win. We'll see. Almost feels like the AFC South where like nobody wanted to. Right. It's just yeah. like, well, just whoever. Get in, man. <laughs> it's Wednesdays with Wayno at the bottom of the hour. Next up, our rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. In the air left center. Hap is over. He looks up. That ball is gone. Nolan Gorman with an opposite field homer. Brady does it again with two outs. Two one. A little pop into center. Carlson coming on. He's got it. And the Cardinals have won it. Three-game win streak for St. Louis. They've won the series. They pick up a game on the Pirates. And how about the Redbirds? Power early, power late. And the Cub fans go home unhappy. We're going streaky! <laughs> Time for the rush hour reset. The Cardinals have won three in a row following a 6-4 victory last night at Chicago over the Cubs. You heard Chip Carey on Bally Sports mentioning power early, a home run in the first from Nolan Gorman, a home run in the third from Lars Bar, and power late from the centerpiece of the Cardinal offense. <laughs> Swing, fly ball, Belton left center. There's number 14 for the lead. There you go, Mr. Paul DeYoung, PDJ. Been waiting on it. Back at it. Retire the number now. Now. Uh, by the way, it was great to see Nolan Arnauto back in the lineup and uh, just providing a little support for Paul DeYoung. Had a base hit, but uh, Paul DeYoung, two for three. 
and uh, his batting average up to 350, his on base up to 409, his slug up to 650. That equates to a league leading 1.059 OPS. Well, and that's what I gathered from last night is I really like to see it. it felt like a big response from guys who really didn't get that much of a chance or playing time early on. Mm-hmm. Even look at Andrew Kisner not your starting catcher to start the season, kind of had to fight for his chance. And then you have Paul DeYoung as well, written off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know he had the injury in spring training, but even with how things have gone in recent years, he was kind of written off, pushed to the side. Same thing with Dylan Carlson, kind of lost a lot of his playing time because of that log jam in the outfield. And those were three guys that didn't have that much of an opportunity early on and just had to fight their way back in. And it paid off for all three of them in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's Paul DeYoung has been uh, a surprise. A revelation, he, as yeah, it were. He has done a, a pretty good job since coming back. We have talked about him and, and really didn't think, didn't have much to expect from him when he got back. We were not thinking that he would be as good as he is. And he has been a stalwart. He's been the guy that you, you can lean on and depend on right now. And, Randy, I know you are a fan, and you you, oh, yeah. you jokingly say his number is going to be retired. Number 11. But, he is he has been he has been a guy that you can depend on and trust in this lineup since he's been back up here. Here's the question. Because remember Jose Okendo came back for a while. And so he wore number 12 before Jordan Hicks did. Kind of like the the Lakers did with Kobe in retiring both 8 and 24. <laughs> Do both 11 and 12 get retired uh, here? For Pauly D? Yeah. <laughs> Randy, I don't I don't know that we'll go. I don't know we're going to go that far. Oh, okay. You know what I do want to bring up, though? One thing the Cardinals have started to do is be more consistent in their lineup. Mm-hmm. You, you know who the leadoff hitter is. You know who the two-hole hitter is. Uh, it's three-hole is probably going to be Norman if he, Norman, Gorman. Gorman if he's playing that day. <laughs> I <like> Norman. <laughs> Norman. I like it. <laughs> um, but I think that consistency has helped their lineup as well. We talked about it all year. Uh, just figuring out if they were going to be in the lineup day to day. No one. It was. It was a crapshoot. We were trying to figure it out, and so I think that consistency has helped them with this lineup and, and starting to get timely hits. No doubt about it. Well, and also you can put, even though it's not consistent, it seems like you can put Brendan Donovan really anywhere, and he will do really well for you. I mean, mm-hmm. he's making highlight real worthy plays and saves and all that different kind of stuff. He's he's just laying it all out there for this team, and that's huge. It's what we've, I feel like, have typically seen from a lot of these guys defensively. And Carlson is playing well, and the bullpen last night gives the Cardinals four innings and allowed only two hits. Palante allowed one run. He went one and two-thirds. Stratton with an inning and a third scoreless, and then Gallego's coming on for the final inning. And so the bullpen is pulling their weight. Maybe they're pulling too much weight right now because... This is a group that very easily, and I'm glad they brought Palante back up, but they could be gassed by the time we get to the All-Star break if this continues and they continue to not get efficient pitching out of their starting rotation. Flaherty last night threw 93 pitches in five innings. Yeah, you need more innings. You need more more, more pitching from your starter, starting pitchers. They're not giving you enough right now. And as you said, that bullpen could be gassed by the by the end, by the middle of the season because they're only giving you five and two-thirds. Sometimes it's four and a third. Uh, Jack's last start, it was a two and a third. You want more from them 
So that bullpen is not looking at you in, in June and July like, hey, we ain't got nothing left for you. And by the way, if a pitcher, if a starter is pitching well and he's pitching, he's in the 80s, let him get to 100. Don't mm-hmm. pull guys with 84 and 89 pitches. That's one of the reasons that your bullpen is going to be gassed is because you're so afraid of the numbers of a guy getting through a lineup a third time. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't manage. I'm talking to you, analytics fellas. Don't manage afraid because you're paying these guys a lot of money to be able to pitch a third time through the order. Well, and that's what it seems like when you're looking at some of the guys. And look, some of them do need to be pulled early for obvious reasons. But some of the other ones, like when Jordan Montgomery, that game where he didn't want to exit and he was really angry about Mm -hmm. that. I felt like he could have gone a little bit longer in that game. And so I wonder if that is if we we keep talking about game plan earlier. Do you think that's part of their game plan is when they're going to pull it's guys totally, by certain pitch count, yeah. all that stuff, instead of what is happening right in front of you in that game, in that situation. Right. There is no eye test. That's the thing that bothers me because you can, as you, the eye test, I can have a, a list of things that could happen mm-hmm. in a game, and if everything goes accordingly to that accordingly to that game plan, yeah, we'll do exactly what these bullet points say. Mm-hmm. But nothing ever goes accordingly to that piece of paper in the pregame meeting is it things are going to change it's it's a sport it's live action you have men out there performing some days they're going to perform exceptionally well some days they're not and so if you're just going off of a sheet saying okay when this happens we're done this number we're done you gotta be you gotta be able to pay attention to the game and see what's happening in it and greg mentioned last week blake snell exactly that happening when he was with the rays against Mm -hmm. the dodgers and rather than looking at the way he was dominating the Dodgers, they decided to go with the math, and the math didn't work out, and the Dodgers wound up winning the World Series that night. Well, and that's what makes you just kind of wonder, because we we keep seeing you have that situation with Wilson Contreras about the nuances and not understanding kind of the nuances, as they keep saying, of the game and different things like that. You know, obviously, nobody thought that Wilson Contreras was going to be Yadier Molina. I didn't hear anybody say that. I didn't even hear Wilson Contreras say that. They wanted Wilson to be Wilson. That's why you went out and got him. It's not an arranged marriage. This is something that you willingly went to the altar to. You knew what you were getting to. You're the one that proposed. And mm-hmm. that it just makes me wonder what the game plan is and if the coaching staff and the players are on the same page. Because even if you look to last night with the whole fastball situation with Flaherty and where he was upset with some of the media members, right before that, Ollie Marmol talked about his fastball and how Dusty Blake and them addressed that. And they're seeing, they're like, yeah, we, we did notice a dip in velo. Brooke, my suggestion would be that you not try to figure out what the game plan is because I don't think that we can understand it. <laughs> oh, it's in hieroglyphics, right? No, I'm sorry. No. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And also, it's something there's, the rest of the world just wouldn't understand. I wouldn't understand it. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, it's it feels like the Da Vinci Code right now. I said yesterday, we're Tom Hanks running around putting together all these little pieces and clues. <laughs> It is. I mean, you are right. It's hard to figure out. It's hard to find. It's hard to understand what exactly they're doing. And and maybe, you know, Jack has a different game plan in his mind than the game plan that is given to him. Hey, we need you to throw this velocity, this pitch. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm more comfortable doing this. 
And, you know, we're, we're seeing some of the results of, of yes. whatever that game plan is from either him or from the staff. It's not going the way that they wanted to at this moment. Would not be the first time that the Cardinals experienced philosophical differences. Oh, <laughs> too soon, right? <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Uh, Adam Wainwright at the bottom of the hour, but next up it's Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Speaking of rock and roll, we have your chance to score tickets to see Aerosmith with special guests, the Black Crows, October 26th at Enterprise Center. Tickets for Aerosmith's farewell tour are on sale now, or you can just text us when you answer the trivia question correctly. The number, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO, to win free tickets. Or you can get all the ticket details and find a bonus chance to register at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN app. But we do have a question for you today. To win tickets to see Aerosmith, all you need to do is answer Matthew Rocchio's question correctly. In Jack Flaherty's career best 2019 season, how many wins did he log? In Jack Flaherty's career best 2019 season, how many regular season wins did he log? That is a very, very good question. Oh, hey, thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right. Uh, What do we got for the rock and roll? Well, Randy, I'm going to be a little bit honest here. I'm I'm a little worried about our buddy Kerry because tonight... Mm. Lakers and Warriors in game five as the Lakers are leading three to one right now on the Warriors. Here's the thing, Carrie. You got some good, smart people on your mind. Tim Legler breaking down why he's not giving up on the Warriors just yet. 25% is more than I would give just about any team in this situation if you're down 3-1. It's because of who it is, because of the unique nature of these, this group of guys and, and, and the unique nature of Steph Curry. And what he is capable of doing. What if they win just one home game? Aren't you going to feel a lot different about that game six? Like, you're, you're going to be like, okay, man, now it's a series, and now it's the Warriors, and what if that game's tight in the fourth quarter, which two of these games have been that they've lost? You're going to tell me they can't find a way to win that and get it back to, to, to the Bay? I think they are capable, at more so than most teams would be. I'm not betting on that, but I just think it's silly to think, oh, the Lakers figured this out. Just win tonight. You can't worry about game six. You, have, you don't have game six on the schedule unless you win today. All right, Kerry. Warriors tonight are, despite the 3-1 series, they are actually favored seven and a half points and minus 330 on the money line. Are you confident in either of those numbers if you want to take a short little drive today? Uh, Yeah. I mean, last time they played at home, what did they win by? Uh, that was the blowout in game two. They won uh, by 30. Yeah, 27. 27. It was 20. So, I was going to say 26. Yeah, yeah. something like that. I, I will uh, trust in the Golden State Warriors to get it corrected. I think Jordan Poole won't play much because he's not playing well. And it's more so I people are, are concerned about his shooting. I'm concerned about his defense or lack thereof. He doesn't want to play defense. He has no effort or energy on the defensive end, and therefore – when you go on the offensive end and you ain't played defense really well and take up bad, jack up bad shots, people are kind of looking at you like you're crazy. So. He is crazy, and I don't think he's going to be a warrior next year. But it's going to be a, a risky one today. Again, Lakers plus 7.5 is probably looking pretty good for a lot of people considering it's a 3-1 lead. But again, they are back in San Francisco where the Warriors like to dominate. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a worrying mood about, about the, the host of this show today. So, Dana Rossini, 
uh, was on ESPN yesterday, and she was talking about the Tennessee Titans, Brooke Grimsley's Tennessee Titans. Brooke, who do you want to see starting at quarterback for the Tennessee Titans come week <laughs> one of the 2023 season? Uh, Will Levis, right? Is that, is, no, is, is, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I mean, what are my options at this point? I guess it's Ryan you got Tannehill. Three guys. It's Ryan really Tannehill, really. Well, then you'll be pretty happy. Diana Rossini on NFL Live. Ryan Tannehill is the starter week one. That's what I was told. That he, this is his team. He is the guy. This, uh, the drafting Will Levis is obviously this team looking to the future, knowing that Ryan Tannehill will be playing on an expired contract, and this is his last year in Tennessee. No movement there. If they're going to extend him just yet, if they even decide to do that. But for now, it's Ryan Tannehill's team. Malik Willis is the backup quarterback, but they're going to give Will Levis an opportunity to see if maybe he can beat out the backup quarterback there. How about that? Okay. Well, he looked, I mean, looked happy through that entire clip. It was, to me, that's like so obvious when that's what you decided to do. I mean, it, Ryan Tannehill, he's not terrible I guess that's that's my quarterback you know that's that's my quarterback (laughs) um but at the same time it's just I maybe it's just jealousy seeing Trevor Lawrence and what he's doing right now with the Jaguars and you see such a bright future with him and the pieces that they have and then you see the Titans just kind of being the Titans where it's doesn't seem like a happy forward trajectory at this moment. And maybe I'll, I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong. But it felt weird to me getting Will Levis when you kind of, it felt like Malik Willis all over again. And that, that's what I wanted to get at. Let's say the, let's, let's say the Tennessee Titans uh, need a new starting quarterback in week six because of an injury to Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And Malik Willis is the one they go to. Does that, does like that, does that to... worry you right out of the gate or no? Um, I I don't, yeah, a little bit. Why I guess. should it shouldn't worry anybody? All you're gonna do is hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. I can go do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what, yeah. I can run. I can I can boot off of it as well. Play action boot. I can throw it to the fullback in the flat. Tight what if end. Henry's injured? Well, then we you know, we that's, got a whole that's, heap of trouble. And that's the situation <laughs> the Titans have found themselves in a couple of times. So yeah, yeah. That's the voice of somebody know. who's really confident in Kenny Pickett, huh? Oh, I'm I'm definitely excited about Kenny Pickett. Isn't it funny Kenny though? Two gloves. That really? people were thinking. Oh, really? When Kenny Pickett got taken, people were thinking that that first round pick might be Malik Willis. Yeah. And how quickly his fortunes have changed. It goes fast after man. playing three or four games. Yeah, that the that evaluation has been made. They call it the NFL, and that stands for not for long. Yeah. More now than ever. Yes, sir. People just don't get an opportunity. Thanks for the setup, Carrie. Speaking of not for long, that's probably the Jaguars in Jacksonville. The reason why I'm bringing this up is today the they NFL announced five international. Sorry, I'm going to go the other way. It's oh, really crappy. Uh, they're, um, <laughs> they announced five international games. And shocker, the Jaguars are wasting a home game away from Jacksonville. I couldn't believe it, guys. What a shocking de- development here. Last year, Raj Goodell brought up the idea of a four-team division eventually across the pond. They have now expanded the games to Germany this year. They have two. Obviously, the London games have been going on for a long time. We Rams fans know all about that. Is this a viable idea, or is this pie in the sky no matter what the NFL does? No matter if you play games in Germany, Spain, England, 14 division, is this ever going to be an actual feasible thing considering free agency, travel, the union, so on and so forth? No. I think it's going to work. So uh, tell me this, when generally do the best franchises get their games played? If you're really, really good, when do you Monday night, Sunday night. 
You Those games start at what time in America? <laughs> 7 p.m., 7.45 Central Time. So you're telling me a good team is going to be playing at 3 in the morning <laughs> in their home city? Oh, well, no, nah, they won't be doing that. They, I mean, they will be – I think they'll still be able to have games. I don't think they'll be uh, – they won't have any Monday night, Sunday night games. No. Probably not. No, I don't think they will. What time would – well, no. What time Six will that hours. be? Six hours. So it'll be, it'll be 3 in the morning? No, because they will be playing at 8 p.m. there, so it will be like oh, 3 it, p.m. here in on mm-hmm. the East Coast, correct? Yeah, that's the, the, the best thing to do is be night. in the 3 o'clock yeah. window. 3 o'clock on a, on a Sunday night. Yeah. Monday night. If they were playing Monday night yeah, three, four, or five, Sunday no, night. 3 o'clock here would be 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 there. Yeah, they would. I yeah. think they could do that. They wouldn't be playing a 10 p.m. game there, which yeah, would make know. it 4 it w- it would be awkward because yes, you're gonna. It's Sunday night football okay. in air quotes, but it's Sunday afternoon here. Kerry, how many how many yeah. of your former Steeler teammates when you were playing, especially guys that are 27, 28, 29, married kids, would want to move to Germany or London? Oh no, I don't think anyone would want to move uh, out of the country. But if you are if your job relocates mm-hmm. and you want to keep that job and there's only one of 32 of those jobs they they'll be overseas but free agents and when players become yeah. free agents no you you'll have a tough time yeah Unless, unless, Competitively, it'll be very unless, difficult. I don't know yeah, what I the tax rate that. is over there. We've got to figure it's that worse. out. It's, it's, uh, it's higher. If it's, yeah. if oh. you're making, <laughs> you are putting less cash in your bank nah. account. If, you are ca- if you're having to pay taxes in, in, in England or Germany, you are putting less money in your yeah, bank no, account. That's oh. going to be the issue. Now, it's only going to be the eight home games you play. It doesn't matter. That's half, But that's half of your your salary yeah. that's going to be you've got to pay taxes everywhere that's else. That's half no. your salary like, that you're even losing. Even OTAs and stuff like yeah. that? Well, like, yeah. OT, so that's that's quite a bit yeah. of time that you're still having to go over yeah. there. We're Wait. talking about losing 50% of your salary to taxes to like 70% of your like oh, yeah, base to, to taxes in those eight weeks that you're playing like 40, over there. 46%, I think. Yeah, so yeah, bump that up to like 60-something <laughs> percent, and it's a little bit more accurate. By the way, the NFL schedule announcement is tomorrow. They did announce the international schedule earlier today. It's Falcons, Jaguars in London, Jaguars and Bills at Tottenham, Ravens and Titans at Tottenham, Dolphins and Chiefs in Germany, and then the Colts and the Patriots in Germany as well. Again, the Jaguars getting two of the five international games. If there is a four-team division, I'd, I'd have to say the, the London Jaguars, or however you want to phrase it, is probably one of those four teams. That sounds weird. It does. Sounds weird. Adam Wainwright is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Stick around. The opening drive continues. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Wednesdays with Wayno on the opening drive. We're talking life, baseball, and what's happening at Big League Impact with Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright. Wednesdays with Wayno is presented by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric diamond contractor. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the celebrity line now. It's Wednesday, and it's time for Wednesdays with Wayno. And Cardinal right-hander Adam Wainwright joins us here on 101 ESPN. Of course, Adam is the founder of Big League Impact, and they have some great events coming up, including Swinging for Impact on June 11th. Wayno, good morning. How are you doing today? Doing great, guys. How are y'all doing? Everything's good. Okay, this is kind of a broad question, but I want to know how you have felt about the last 
five days, starting with Saturday with uh, the announcement that Wilson wasn't going to catch. So uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. How have you felt? Well, I, I don't know how that part of it plays into how I felt, but uh, we can spin it that way, Randy. Um, yeah, just in terms of, because, Adam, this is not a clubhouse. This is not a franchise. It usually deals with controversy. And these have been five rather controversial days for your club, and you've been around for a long time, and that's why I couched it the way I did. Okay. Um, well, the thing about controversy is um, sometimes it's sometimes it's warranted, and sometimes it's um, sort of warranted, and then overplayed big time in the media. And you know, sitting around after having great conversations with Wilson and our clubhouse is feeling great, won three games in a row. Sitting around listening to everyone on the press. Uh, you know, yesterday I was throwing my bullpen session, and there's a TV in the in the bullpen, and we were listening to like Tony Tony Kornheiser and that whole group talk about how like the Cardinals are ridiculous, and you know we've blown everything out of proportion. And I'm like, wow, I, I guess it's just more evident than ever that a lot of times on the outside you don't know what's going on on the inside, and and uh, I think I think Wilson's, you know. I think he was frustrated for sure. I think um, I think we've cleared all that up, and I think we're in a really great spot as a team right now. Our team's feeling great. We're rolling a little bit. Um, we've got our first winning streak of the year, which has happened before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, no, I, I think that um, I think the the reports coming out of there now. In um, in in fairness to the media. How would they know by not being in there, you know? But uh, I, I think it's, you know, it, it was newsworthy, but, um, you know, newsworthy sometimes if, if you're bored, you'll create a giant story out of nothing. But that wasn't nothing. I mean, I, I understand that that was something. and and uh, But just know that things have, you know, really, 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 really worked themselves out. It's come a long way, and, and uh, it's great to have Wilson around. We love having Wilson around. He's, he's fun. He's, he's exciting. He's got, I mean, you see how he's hitting the ball. He hits the ball hard as, anyone I've ever seen. I think the last three days, the last two games, he's hit three balls over 110 miles an hour. So uh, very impressive. Well, Wayno, that's what I was going to ask you about. You know, we we saw the reports that you kind of had a meeting of the minds with Wilson Contreras with some others. Why was it important for you guys to do that? And how proud were you of his response the next day with a big performance against his former club? Yeah, I mean, look, no one wants to get told they're not playing their position anymore, right? That's a and who's going to treat? Who's going to take that? Just oh yeah, no problem. That sounds great. You know what? That's a that is a big deal, man. And and uh, but that's the thing. We wanted him to know that, like from our side, we haven't stopped believing him from player side. But but here here's where I got to give credit where credits due, because our guy Ollie's been taking a lot of heat for his players playing bad. You know, and that's a th- that's the unfortunate thing about um professional baseball sometimes is that. You know, when the players play crappy, a lot of times the the people whose heads roll are the are the coaching staff. You know, and that's not always fair. And and sometimes, like last year, the Phillies got off to a horrible start, like almost as bad as our start, really, really, really bad. And then they get to the World Series, but midway through, their manager got fired for it. And sometimes that's a you know need a change, and sometimes it's not. And our our guys are work. Our coaching staff is working their tails off. And Ollie looked around the clubhouse and took a kind of a pulse of the clubhouse. And you know, after a big win, really for us, where we came back and scored a bunch of runs to win, 
you know, Wilson's just, um, you know, I think all that pressure and that, that, that news, I think it just hit him really hard and, you know, listen to fans and his, his probably his agent and his family saying like, what the heck, you know, there's a lot of stuff piling in on him. And, and, you know, I think in those situations you can, you can start doubting yourself and you can start thinking that nobody loves you and nobody's got your back. And when you get to a new club, especially when you don't know everyone just yet, it's like as good as you're going to, uh, it was important for us to realize that and uh, that that he was in that spot, and that's what Ollie did. You know, that was that was Ollie's idea. Ollie said, "Hey, we got to pick our guy up. He, he's he's feeling down right now." And so I looked over and I saw him. You know, we were caught up in the win. We were excited about the win. And I looked over and I saw him. I said, "Man, you are exactly right. Let's just love all over this guy." And and uh, pulled him in the office. And there's a big couch in Ollie's office. Sat him down right between. I said, Jack. I said, Jack. You sit there, really. You sit right here, and we just surrounded him. And I said, Man, we don't want you to go anywhere. We love you, dude. We are so glad you're our teammate. We can't wait to play with you. We can't wait to see you get unbelievable. We can't wait to watch you catch big games for us and and be a force for us. And and uh, that was a big moment, man. You know, it was a big moment for him to look at our eyes and, and know that we're telling the truth that we believe what we were saying. And, and, and then he, I think he really bought into what was going on at that point. You know, I think, I don't think he thought anyone had his back to be honest. And then uh, it was good to just kind of reassure him that everyone did. Adam, I think you hit the nail on the head talking about the players' performance and and it not being solely on the coaching staff. And so I want to gauge how how frustrated has the pitching staff. I know you've only been back for about a week or so, but how frustrated has the pitching staff been? You know, with their performance not giving enough innings, the starting pitchers not getting enough innings, and really not doing. You know, I know the job that they are they would like to do in, in winning games. Yeah, I mean, I think that whole stretch there, you know, we had a few outlier games. Monty was pitching great the whole time. He, you got to tip your hat to Monty. He was doing awesome. Uh, Could have probably pitched deeper into a couple more games. And um, this last turn, you saw Steven Matz throw the ball really well. Uh, Miles has been pitching much better. So I think in that stretch where we were playing bad and finding ways to win, one of the big problems was we weren't getting enough, giving enough innings as starting pitchers. And that's just the truth of the matter. I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't around, um, and uh, so I'm, I'm not taking all the blame off me. I don't. That's not what I'm trying to say. But uh, I think when when I was around more often, things kind of normalized, and and we have those awesome conversations on the bench. You can be real reflective of all right, where do I need to get better? You know, and and when you're not there all the time, you can't look at guys in the eyes and say, all right, hey, how'd you feel? What did you do great? What do you need to improve on? And, and, and really have those conversations. And I love being there for that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not claiming that because I'm back, we're going to go off on a tear. But I'm not not claiming it either. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, Adam, I'm, we're on the phone, so I can't look you in the eyes. But Saturday, how'd you feel? How, how, how did you feel about the way you threw? How'd you uh, feel about where you're headed? I'll be honest. I felt really good. I felt really good. I've... I've I'm very, I'm very prepared. Uh, been very prepared for the last week or so to to be able to start and 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 start at a high level. Um, the stuff I think sometimes people play put a little too much emphasis on results from rehab outings. I mean, look, we want to go down there and put up none but zeros and strike everybody out, but there's there's objectives that you're trying to get through first and foremost. And my stuff I really felt came alive that last rehab start. Um, I knew I was going to be. I was going to have quality outing. I, I knew, uh, 
my fastball command had been really good the last start. I knew that my body was starting to feel great, and and uh, well, I got to say bye to my sweetie. She came to see me in Chicago. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's how much I love y'all. I'm spending my last 15 minutes with my wife <laughs> with y'all on the phone. So, um, um, no, I, I, I honestly, I, I, I can't, and I. I think this is why you saw the frustration in me after the game. I really was – I couldn't believe that they scored those three runs in that one inning. That, that really bothered me. I think going into that inning, I had 53 pitches through four innings. Um, and then, you know, it, it's not an excuse, right? I can't stand doing that. But very easily in that fifth inning, first guy gets a base hit, I made a bad pitch, middle of the play, he gets a base hit. The second guy – I really, I, you know, listen, I threw a curveball almost right in the middle of the plate that was called a ball. I couldn't believe it. It's, you know, and we had a strike him out, throw him out situation where he, you know, you go back after the game, you go, was he out? And I, was, I know it was kind of close. And Chad, our video guy's like, dude, he was out by six clicks, like six. He was out, dude. Like, but it was one of those, there wasn't a, a pure angle. And so what I'm trying to say is there could have been easily two outs, nobody on. But then the, the fashion that they scored their runs, right? The first run scored on a bloop to left that just kind of found a hole. The second run scored on a pop-up to short right where our right fielder and our second baseman collided. And that was just kind of more of the same had, than what had been going on. And I was so determined to end what had been going on that when they scored those three runs and tied the game back up, I couldn't believe it, man. I thought, no, it ends today with me. I'm going to take it to start. That crap that's been going on the whole last month, it <laughs> ends today. And I was cruising. You know, I was really cruising. I had 53 pitches through four. I was manning the ball really well. And then when they put that three spot up, I was so surprised. And I was and I was just, those were three runs that I, I just thought, in, in 100% of my mind, should not have scored. You know, and and then we lose that game. And I'm just, I'm I'm devastated because in my mind that streak was it was ending you know and I was going to be the stopper and I've always loved doing that and so uh, after the game I you know you're getting those questions I'm just like that frustration just boils up so much and you're going oh my gosh how did they win that game you know it's just devastating you pour so much into it into every start and so every start is you know, I spent hours and hours preparing for each start, and I had worked my way back and hadn't been there for a month, and our team's losing, and I was putting a lot of pressure on my shoulders to go out there and deliver, and, and we just didn't score. But I felt great. Long, 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 long <laughs> answer to the question. I felt really good. I feel very confident going forward. I can't wait to get back out and pitch again. Okay, two more quick things, and then uh, we, we tell Jenny we apologize. How meaningful <laughs> is it for you to pitch in Fenway? You've pitched there in the World Series, but never in the regular season. Yeah, I've pitched there a few times in the regular season. I pitched there last year. Um, oh, that's right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I pitched there. I think I've had two other starts in the regular season there, but to your point, I've not won a game there, and so I'm due, man. So let's go and win a game in Boston. Let's win that first game of the series and start a new streak where we win every first game of every series. That would be fun. <laughs> um, but I, I like pitching there. I, I, uh, the hit, I like pitching in those legendary parks where the history's there. What a cool trip where you go to Fenway and Wrigley, man. That's uh, what a kid's, that's a kid's dream, and, and I'm just a big kid living my dream up. That's awesome. And then uh, we, we know that Swing for Impact is sold out, but another great event coming up. Well, you guys are in London. We're going to have a watch party here in St. Louis at Patios on, on Saturday, June 24th. Yeah, we are. The 24th, we're going to 
a lot of people are going to get together and have a watch party there and and uh, a, a celebration really of our all win campaign. If we can get together and and if we can win some games, um, our players, a lot of our players have 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 uh, sorry, excuse me, a lot of our players have. Um, have pledged money for each win um, and each win that we give a fans have the ability to join in on our programs too. me and Goldie and Tommy and Nolan and a few other guys have, have all, all win, all win campaigns going where every time we win, it'll go to the money that we pledge will go to the foundation of our choice and uh, fans can join in on that. But patios, the 24th games, prizes, uh, there'll be a lot more details coming out soon about that watch party, but we'd love to have a whole bunch of people get together and watch that game and cheer us on from afar. What's it called again when you win three in a row? That's called a winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad to have it. I'm glad to have you with us, Adam. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, have fun in Boston. Tell Jenny we said hi, and we appreciate her uh, sharing, allowing you to do this, sharing you with us, and uh, we'll see you when you guys get home. All right, sounds good, guys. Thank you. Take care. That's uh, Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Wayno here on 101 ESPN. And you can check out the great events that they have coming up, including their London Watch Party at bigleagueimpact.org. Cards and uh, Cubs wrap up their series tonight, by the way, at Wrigley Field. We're going to head down the stretch of this edition of the opening drive here on 101 ESPN right after this. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yesterday I was throwing my bullpen session and there's a TV in the in the bullpen and we were listening to like Tony Tony Kornheiser and that whole group talk about how like the Cardinals are ridiculous and you know we've blown everything out of proportion. I'm like, wow, I, I guess it's just more evident than ever that a lot of times on the outside you don't know what's going on on the inside. And that's Adam Wainwright, and clearly we don't know what's going. On, on the inside. And he did say that uh, he and Jack Flaherty and our Ali Marmol were in the office together. He said, Jack, you sit on one side. Mm-hmm. Willie, you sit in, in the middle. I'll sit on the other side. And we want to pour love into this guy. And so Ali Marmol and Adam and Flaherty took it upon themselves to make uh, Wilson Contreras feel better about this situation, which is good to see. When you're a new guy and coming into a new organization, it's vastly different from what you have been accustomed to throughout your entire career. You get here, you get paid a, a ton of a ton of amount of money, and and you have high expectations for your season and your career here. And then they kind of, you know, drop the 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 ball on you and say, "Hey, you're you're not going to do this anymore." That can be heartbreaking. It can be disturbing for you as a player, and it can really. To, to Wilson Contreras' credit, he did not seem to let that impact him on the field when he was at, at bats. He did everything he was supposed to do. He took it like a professional. But when you're by yourself, when you have those moments where you're thinking about, man, what did I do wrong? Why won't they let me do the job that they hired me to do? It can become a little bit frustrating, and I, I assume that's why Wayno said we needed to make sure that he knew how we felt about him. It doesn't take away the sting of not doing the job you were – Pay to do and, and hire to do is still going to be frustrating for him, and it's still and it's not going to go away for him for him for a while. If if it never happens again, where he's the everyday catcher like Buster Olney, Olney has said, 
it's going to be hard for him to come to grips with that, but eventually he will. Well, and that's and that's the thing is the only reason we even know about this is because of how public it is, right? Yeah. Because for a while, a lot of people were like, okay, it's a little weird that Wilson Contreras isn't getting as much time behind the plate, but maybe this is injury or they're looking at something different. And then in the manner in which it was all handled on Saturday was very, very public, right? You had Barrera come up, so now you have three big lead catchers on your roster. Wilson didn't even realize that that was happening. You have the statement that Wilson Contreras will not be your catcher and there's not a foreseeable timetable on his return behind the plate. And this isn't media members saying this. This is Ali Marmol and the organization. And then you also say he's going to be an outfielder. That's going to, All that stuff is going to catch a ton of attention, a ton of attention. And then the next day you say he won't be in the outfield. That's going to catch a lot of attention. And there's still not a game plan of when he's going to become behind the plate. That is going to be talked about. And yes, a win streak helps the sting of all this. But still, until that fully gets addressed of where Wilson Contreras is going to be in this organization, his future, what position he's going to be playing, it's going to be hard to really understand what's going on here. What I hope they didn't do is not be honest with him mm-hmm. and yeah. not be honest and, hey, we're going to work you back into being a everyday catcher. You are our guy. You are our everyday catcher. And then, you know, June, July comes, he hasn't caught but three more games. Or August comes and he hasn't caught maybe 10 games and, and, and in that stretch. Now you're looking at it and saying, oh, you all were lying to me. You only want me to DH because you don't think I'm doing. That could be enough. We could have this situation arise again. So I'm hoping if whatever they said to him is is the truth and whatever they said to us is the truth because if those things are, are different, there could be an issue coming up later on. See if the Cardinals can get to within seven games of the lead in the Central and maybe they'll climb out of the basement in the National League in the next few days. We'll see. We'll talk about it tomorrow either way. Great job today by our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Oh, Love you. Are you okay? <laughs> he's, he doesn't fix microphones. He's an audio engineer. He spins the dials, which is fine. It's great. He's great. It's the it. sound that comes out of the microphones. But yeah, yeah, exactly. The mic standing. Yeah. Top guys. Top guys. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? With I your did. Cowboy hat on. Yes. Good. Yeehaw. <laughs> We're going streaking. CD. <laughs> hey, we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And for all of us. With a balloon party coming up with T Mac and Ajax until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.